2: die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League.
3: We got fresh (laughs) frozen strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa
4: all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. (laughs) Yeah. I got a MF wagon. (laughs) Like, let's be real.
2: (laughs) The Washington Nationals.
3: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome.
1: Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, episode 78 this time. Thank you for joining us, as always. We really appreciate it. I'm Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at AWhite7877. You can follow my pulchritudinous co-hosts. What? Yeah, you heard (laughs) me. At DCNATShack and at Cap. You can follow our digital media coordinator, which you should. He puts together all kinds of awesome videos you don't want to miss on Twitter at One Pursuit Takes. You can follow our blog contributor, Monty, who is blogging actively again. So you don't want to miss that. And you can get him at MDT06181815. Sounds like a bot, but he's real. And you can follow the show at Half Street High Heat. What's up, fellas? How you doing?
3: Um, I'm Pretty doing cool. pilfer. I
2: don't understand your obsession with the word pilfer. I don't
4: know why. Well, in Amanda's defense, of all the words – she has said and sprung upon us, it seems weird to die on the pill for
2: Right, exactly. Like of all the words, that's the one that just set you over the edge. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ryan, you're not you wrong.
4: Just say steal. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But it, again, it just mm-hmm. we, we've known her for over a year and a half now. Yeah. Uh, Scheidenfreude. What was the first word schadenfreude. She, said to us? Yeah. <laughs> she said?
2: Scheidenfreude. Yeah.
4: She said, yep, yeah. yep, and.
2: <laughs> and. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a very good word. <laughs> the Germans are great at coming up with like one word that means a complicated concept in English that you would need to like give an explanation for.
3: That's pilfer, I agree.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I really Yeah, like I just don't get why that's the one. That's the one. That's because that's, it's like, like-
3: Oh, it was just like, oh, ho, ho, honey, how much should we pilfer from our dear <laughs> oh, children oh, today? Oh, 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 oh. Like, I'm so I did fancy.
2: Steal a lot of their candy and give myself a stomachache. That's the thing that happened.
4: Anytime Amanda uses a big word from now, we're just going to go, oh, oh, oh.
2: <laughs> Or you could just say, pilfer.
4: Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Well, now I got mixed up because you're going to expect pilfer.
2: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Now I'll be expecting it. You've got to do something that we least expect.
3: Expect um, the
4: unexpected. You know, Amanda, we've been recording for about two minutes now, Uh and I, I, you know, again, we've known each other for about a year and a half now, going on two years. Okay. And I I feel like we can be frank and upfront with each other. Okay. Uh, I'm honestly pretty hurt by you, and I'm feeling a little disrespected. Why is that? Because it's been two and a half minutes now, and you have not congratulated DC Natchak on going back to back. Back to
3: back.
2: Ah, I didn't see the final results. Did they post them
3: back to back? Like I'm on the cover of lethal weapon.
2: <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I'm assuming we're talking about OPT's OPT's uh, best Nats Twitter account. Congratulations. Yes. I just didn't see if he posted the final results. I hadn't looked yes. before we started Ain't recording. No. So congratulations.
3: I last year I won. Never acknowledged it. this year. I never acknowledged it again. Um, and I didn't want to do it to him, but I had to hit, hit it with a retweet. You know, Times got a little desperate. He went out to a lead. Um, we weren't expecting that on our, our election night forecast. So I had I had to hit it with a retweet and as soon as I did, it was over. And I apologize, OPT. I didn't mean to retweet it. I understand what that does, but I had the win.
2: I think that seems fair. And we all knew you we all knew you were already the best Nats Twitter account. I mean. This is true. Was there a question? Back.
4: No,
3: this isn't really
2: winning so much as it's just confirmation of what back to, to
3: back to years. To I've blown everyone out and then OPT and I had a pretty good thing in the final. Um, so yeah, I mean, OPT is elite and he's the best, uh, best graphics guy we can ever have.
2: No, and if you're an ads fan, you should be listening to this podcast that both of the best Twitter accounts, the best Nats Twitter accounts are associated with. I mean, absolutely. I'm
4: waiting for. Absolutely. And you know, one thing that, Doesn't go unnoticed. OPT came in second last year too, so you know you take away DC Nashak, which will never happen. (laughs) Never happen. OPT unless he posts any more of those videos. If we get clapped, you know that's how well Half Street High he has structured itself that should you know nat Jack ever get clapped which may happen one day you know we we pride ourselves <laughs>
2: stranger on, things happen <laughs> yeah no
4: we pride ourselves on speaking the truth our truth so you know sometimes jack and twitter don't like that so it may happen we structured ourselves so that way you still get the best nat's twitter account available and that is opt yeah we have all of our
3: all of our roads are just, you know, Base covered. if you our will. Our T's and our I's, they're crossed and dotted. We're covered from all angles. Like mm-hmm. we are the yeah. silent majority. Mm-hmm.
2: To paraphrase. Except all we're roads not that lead... silent either. <laughs> no, not at all. But all roads lead to Half Street High Heat is the. All the
4: roads here. lead That's to DC Nats. We cover ourselves. And, you know, I don't even tweet. And when I do tweet, I don't even tweet about the Nats. And I still made it farther than Amanda. So Amanda, you got to step up your game.
3: In yeah, in Amanda's I... defense, in Amanda's defense, people associate Hashtag cap with Nat Shack. So that well, did, that's the point. Yeah, that did give you a big old boost over it that Amanda didn't have. <laughs> that's the point. I was a founding yeah, member I... <laughs> of Nat Shack. Exactly. Yes, you
2: were. Yes, you were. Everybody knows that. At least everybody should start as a
4: joke and here
3: we
2: are.
4: It's
3: crazy. I know. Like,
2: You
4: know, <laughs> in all seriousness, we just talk about, we talked about again the other day, just how crazy it's become. But, you know, happy to be here.
2: And who would have um, thought we'd still be here doing this podcast? So we're I 78 episodes in. I love fantastic.
4: my heaters. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Who,
3: the, who would who have, have thought? Who would have
2: thought? <laughs> Not me. Not me.
3: I love my heaters.
2: All right. Well, now that we homies. have, you know, talked ourselves up. Hope everybody enjoyed that. That's scintillating podcasting right there, I'm sure.
4: Best segment
3: Should of
2: the we week. Should we talk about, uh, before we talk about the fact that, you know, the World Series happened, why don't we get our uh, week in review?
4: Yeah. Oh, I no, just, no, 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 no. you're skipping the best segment. Come on.
2: Okay. Oh, you're right. You're right. I haven't gotten any fish or cat updates yet.
4: No, that, I mean, that's old news. Where? Where's the air fryer segment? Come on.
2: We do. That's true. That's true. I did see some, yeah,
4: chicken, parm,
2: some chicken parm in the mix. Yeah. For oh, today, I would like a chicken parm update.
4: So I, let me preface this by saying I was sabotaged last week when I know I had my meals prepped out. Saboteur. I you know I had my meals yeah. you know, oh, ha. Oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had my meals prepped. You know, I had chicken tenders Monday, chicken parm on thursday chicken wings on sunday a lot of chicken i said i'm I'm gonna start i know but i'm gonna start out they were spaced out you know different meals in between but you know i'm starting simple so that way i could get used to the settings and, and you know the temperatures the cook method and whatnot and you know chicken tenders on monday turned out pretty good you know little things here and there but first run very good all right then i go to make chicken parm uh, on Thursday, you know, around lunchtime, I just make sure I have everything, see if I need to go to the store because I, I needed panko breadcrumbs anyways. And I, I look for the chicken. I was like, hey, where's the chicken? And my, fancy go, my fiance goes, oh, I froze it. Oh, dagger. I was like, what the hell? You knew Thursday was chicken parm day.
2: Like, Everybody knows that.
4: And, you know, I, yeah, you can use the microwave to thaw and blah, 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 blah. But, like, not you know, th- that's not the same. It isn't. Thank you for acknowledging that. So, you know, my whole plan got screwed up. So, you know, I had to delay everything. I still haven't made my chicken wings yet. So I finally just now got around to make my chicken parm. But good news is it turned out very well. Um, you know, I, I was talking to Monty about this last week. Like, I, I like to think I made a good chicken parm prior to this which I still think I do, but, you know, the air fryer just adds that extra element where it adds that crispiness to the outside, which I love. I love anything crispy. You know, I like my French fries crispy, anything, anything. My hash browns, like for breakfast, I want them burnt. I love everything crispy. And, you know, with chicken Parm, that's one thing that I kind of struggle with is getting that nice crisp. The air fryer allows that because if you try to crisp, Uh, a chicken parm or just anything breaded normally you run the risk of crisping the outside without fully cooking the middle so you know you run that risk but Mm -hmm. you know the air fryer you know you don't even have to worry about it you don't it crispy outside it cooks it perfectly every time And and and
2: juicy inside too it
4: is it really is juicy and it does it in like a third of the time a third of the cook time it's wonderful I am on cloud nine with this. I
2: thing. am such a fan of the air fryer. So like, I always, find, so always happy laugh. With like, it. like everybody I know is like, stop talking about your air fryer. I'm like, no, I will no. not stop talking
4: about no, my no, air fryer. No, 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 <laughs> no. Uh-uh. I, like, it's also the perfect gift. You know, Christmas season rolling around, Black Friday coming up, and even Cyber Monday. If you're like me, you don't, you want to go into the stores. You need a perfect Christmas gift or, you know, just something to s- spice things up, air fryer. Mm-hmm perfect addition to any kitchen
2: yes that's a commercial right there i like it what did you make in your air fryer this week ryan
3: um i didn't cook in the air fryer this weekend um i usually cook on saturdays and saturday was uh spoopy day Spooning so day. this is true i was a little occupied on saturday but i did make chicken tacos today put them in the insta pot um like, I also like
2: am a an Instapot aficionado. Big I'm a Instapot. Big fan.
3: So yeah. I made like some shredded chicken and that had a bunch of different seasoning. Oh my goodness. Cooking it smelled unreal. It was so potent. Uh, onions, garlic, and oil cooking is such a fantastic smell. we be throwing like chili powder, cumin, like mm. all that other stuff was fantastic. Finn smelt it, came on over and just started sneezing like mad. It was pretty funny. <laughs> like his poor little cat nose couldn't handle it. Um. So it was fantastic.
4: Can we talk that about is. the instant pot for a second? Because we got one, right, mm-hmm. and we're running into a little bit of a, a technical difficulty with it. The you know the bottom layer of whatever we cook, it just gets burnt, and it has that you know that sensor where it's like food burning, and that sensor is on all the time, even if nothing's in. Looking it too high.
2: Yeah, or you but might we're have just a following the unit. recipe. Yeah, you might want to see if you can exchange it because that just sounds like that unit is Yeah. because I shouldn't do that.
4: Yeah, so I don't know what's going on. Maybe, we, yeah, we just got a bad one. But, you know, it, it's on all the time, like even if nothing's in there. So, yeah, at first yeah, we thought we were cooking it unit. too high. We, we we did think we were cooking it too high, but it, it's just, you know, that's – and we've only used it three times total. So, gotcha. Well, before
2: we move on, since this is not a cooking podcast, I do want to throw out there um, the, your issue with the frozen chicken. There's a great way to quickly defrost things that works really great is you get a bowl that it'll fit in and stick it in the sink and then let the sink run at a, like, really low so it's just dripping, like, pretty a pretty fast drip. And -hmm. it creates a small current in the bowl as it drips into it, and it will defrost anything in, like, 30 minutes.
3: The other cool thing about that method is it also gives you salmonella poisoning.
2: Well, you can still cook it afterwards, so...
3: Yeah, it just comes with a side of salmonella. I mean, I've been there before. I had to do it because I forgot to take out the chicken, but, like, mm, salmonella adds extra flavor. I've
2: done it, like, 15,000 times and never gotten salmonella,
4: but. Because you're built different.
3: Weren't
2: you just
4: talking about how your child was only, like, 30 pounds?
2: Yeah, she is a little, like, very bad. Not for lack of eating because she is just, like, a tiny little pixie child. She's, no, she's but, a teacup human.
4: No, obviously there are other ways to defrost chicken, but, you know, I am engaged to the most superstitious, like, eater whatsoever. Doesn't eat leftover meat. You know, what? won't defrost anything unless it's just, like, in the fridge for 24 hours, however long it takes. And trust me, I, 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 how you're feeling – I understand, <laughs> but I've just accepted it at this point. I still love her, but you know, I've just, you accepted just have to it. live with it. It's well, one of those you might want to
2: check out, you might want to check out too, if you guys are looking into cool kitchen gadgets, check out a sous vide. I don't know if you've ever done that,
4: but An it's SUV? really.
2: A sous vide, it's basically like you get a plastic tub and you put water in it and then there's a sort of a machine that you set on the side that keeps it at a steady temperature. So no matter how long you leave the food in there, it will never go above that temperature. So it perfectly cooks like steaks. It's what they do at steakhouses to get all your steaks perfectly cooked and then they just sear them up. So anyway, it's awesome. We got one not that long ago we've used it a few times and it is fantastic it's s-o-u-s-b-i-d-e sous vide very French, but you should check it out it's pretty cool and you can cook things like if you're going to go out and you know you're going to like you, you got a coach and you're going to be gone for a few hours you could throw some steaks in there when you come home even if they've been in there for hours they won't be overcooked they'll be perfectly at the temperature you want them.
4: huh interesting yeah yeah the thing we're running into now is we're just very quickly running out of quick kitchen space so Mm -hmm. but that happens good good problem to have when you have all these gadgets
2: indeed okay well are we ready for the weekend review
4: yeah i got it out of my system
2: (laughs) all right ryan hook us up
4: um it was actually a rather
3: busy week in the world of baseball as the offseason is just beginning. It will be announced that they had $3 billion in operating losses this year. What does that mean? They, pro- they projected to make $10 billion and they only made $7 billion in revenue. And will be to not comment when asked to disclose their ancillary revenue because they're lying about how much they actually lost. A couple weeks ago, MLB owners were not too happy when health officials told them that fans and stands to start the season next year were not looking too good. Uh, Rob Manfred said that the start of the next season is under question and cited the rise in COVID cases. While that is also a little... Fishy. It is a good point because if they cannot get pitchers and catchers to report on time, the season would be delayed. It will be announced that they are going to do a staggered entrance to spring training. Pitchers and catchers will report first, and then people will report in small groups, and they may not have anyone under AAA report the spring training this year. The winter meetings will be held virtual this year, so whoever can hack Zoom, you can hear all of their plans to lowball every single free agent. White Sox hired Tony La Russa, um, which was quite an interesting hire because, one, he's in the Hall of Fame, and all the old fuddy-duddy voters thinks once you're in the Hall of Fame, your work is complete. He also hates analytics. He hasn't coached in 10 years. He's made numerous inappropriate comments towards uh, players that are minorities, and he hates bat flips. Good thing he's going to the White Sox, who are very analytically driven, young, flamboyant, and a diverse team. This should go absolutely fantastic. Free agency has begun, but do not expect quick action as MLB owners are going to uh, milk the COVID losses and wait out the market to drive down player prices. Remember, MLB has caked in record revenue year after you while cutting payroll. MLB award nominees were announced and Juan Soto was not an MVP finalist, officially proven the award is only for the best player on the best teams. The Dodgers won their first World Series in 30 years. The team was an absolute juggernaut. They would have won it over a full 162 and they are not going away anytime soon. There was controversy, however, as Justin Turner tested positive in the middle of the eighth inning of game six. The team polled him and the league told him to quarantine, but he celebrated without the mask with the families and the kids and players on the field. This week's this weekend review was brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. This week, we're highlighting Black-owned businesses and make sure to support Black-owned bookstores. Do not get your books from Amazon or other wholesale sellers. Support your local bookstores and owners, just like Mahogany Books in Southeast D.C. This has been your Week in Review.
2: Yeah, can we talk about Justin Turner for a minute?
4: Yeah, like, I get it, but... At the same time come on
2: especially no, with I mean, the families. like there's families there like, there's pregnant women yeah. on the field and yeah i just i i don't know i understand that like you really want to like you really want right. to celebrate i get it like i would really want to too but like some things are a lot more important than what you really really want to do and i just was just flabbergasted that he did that and then the story is and i'm not sure if it's confirmed that he was approached by MLB security, who asked him to leave, and he refused. Yeah, I mean, are you joking? Like that, he should. Which, I don't even know what. So
4: I would assume that's true, considering the fact that he came back out onto the field. But I
3: and know. what
2: was with the tweet about? So so sad. I couldn't celebrate with my team. What? Yeah. Like, what is happening?
3: <laughs> I I get it. Like I get why people are mad, but also he played an entire game with everyone in close contact with everyone
2: without... in. The dugout, not with all the families and everybody else who was on the field.
3: So, if he played with everyone, everyone on that team was exposed. Everyone else already went and hugged their families and everything, and they weren't told to wear a mask. So, like, at that point, does it really matter? Because everyone there was already exposed. Like, why? Like, hey, Justin Turner, go hide. You already exposed everyone. Now everyone else just exposed their families. It
2: still matters because exposed and positive are not the same thing.
3: I know. But like they're already exposed. So like right, if you're going to do it ex- to him, make everyone else wear a mask. And also yeah. the season's over. So like personally, I didn't really care because it wasn't going to impact any other games. Was he an idiot? Yes. Did it really matter because everyone else re-exposed everyone? So it's just like, like, like just it's like it, throwing but alcohol in an
2: on the floor. In an outdoor area like that, if you're in an area where somebody's positive and everybody's in an outdoor setting, it's not like everybody is going to get it just because you've been exposed when you go out there and start walking around
3: what I said
2: understood. But my point is by going back out there, you exposed more people and you exposed the people you had already been with more because you know, you're positive now. I'm just, it it doesn't make any sense. I'm not disagreeing in the face of everything they preached and everything they required through the entire season. It was unbelievably selfish.
4: Yes. So, you know, they made a big, you know, deal about this, the return play actually quite honestly no they didn't the, the the primary you know focus was on the pre-cba negotiation right. it was never on covid it's always on money right and then they you know went whatever 68 days without a positive test yada 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 and heralded heralded it this you know massive success and then kind of just, just f- forgot about it or you know just paid no attention to it and yet w- yeah like Justin Turner just happened to be the one and all this stuff. So I see both sides of it. I think he's an idiot. Yeah, like Ryan makes a good point between expo- like exposure and, and – posit- or you both make good points between exposure and positive tests. But, you know, he did expose everyone because he exposed a couple teammates, teammates exposed to their families, you know, so on and so forth. That's how pandemics are started, right? So I, I get that, but – you know, but it's
2: one thing to expose people when you don't know you have it. It's an entirely different yes, thing to expose people no, when you know you have it.
4: Agreed. You know, he—he's an idiot. I would hope he gets reprimanded in some way, but I—and I, I hope it's
2: just an inconvenience and nobody gets really ill. But can you imagine if the worst happens and somebody who
4: Sue, got exposed? Sue, Sue, Sue right. Uh, no, Sue. I listen. I—I I get it. I'm just you know. I I just don't see anything happening because MLB was already so lax, and Rob Rob Manfred is still so shook from being booed uh, at, at, <laughs> I at the trophy I was ceremony.
2: Like, Gary Bettman was like, "Oh, first time,
4: huh?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Roger Goodell embraces it now.
2: I know. I was just thinking that, like.
4: He was <laughs> Rob literally... Manfred was, like, totally was, rookie out there. It was so <laughs> funny. You know, the, the funniest part about it is that Rob Manfred, in some delusional, twisted reality that he's living in, believes that he has public support and that people actually like him. Like, what world right. are he you does, living in, dude?
2: <laughs> I really think you're right that he thinks that.
4: Yeah. Another thing... So, Ryan, you may have to clarify this for me. So, they reportedly suffered 3 billion in losses but the way i heard it was that they still profited 7 billion so it it was
3: kind of what i said in my week in review thanks for listening
4: no I'm, i'm hold on jesus why are you so judgmental gosh um gosh so you know that's not really losing 3 billion that's just missing out on 3 billion but you still made 7 billion so, what are the owners talking about?
3: Yeah, they're, and also they—they're not saying how much they made from TV revenue, which is big. They're not saying how much they made from the local market deals. They're not saying how much they made from the regional. They're not saying how much they made from the national, which is very interesting. So, of course, the deals don't come out saying, "Oh, we lost three billion dollars." So, their yearly projection was ten. They lost three billion. That means they raked in seven billion, and that confirms what everyone said before was that tickets and game day made up about 30% of their revenue. So they still made 70% of their revenue. And you also look at the fact that they laid off just about every single person they possibly could. And the payrolls were slashed. They didn't spend that much money on payroll. I think like the raised payroll in the world for this year is like 14 million. So like, They've been cutting back salary, looking for ways to cut back. And I'm never going to show any sympathy whatsoever towards any type of billionaire, especially since every single one of them has gotten richer this pandemic. Cry me a freaking river. Congratulations. Your revenue came at $7 billion instead of $10 billion. Your life must be so hard.
4: Especially when, you know, Steve Cohen just bought the Mets. I guess that. That was finally confirmed this week. Yeah, that was a big win for baseball. And his net worth is $14.2 billion, and the next highest is the Learners at $2.4 billion. And then um, also
3: Major League Baseball signed, uh, I think, like two multi-billion dollar uh, TV
4: contracts this year. Yeah, so, you know.
3: I just spent. love the
2: way they calculated it. It cracks me up. It's like the way when the government says they're going to cut some kind of spending. It's like, well, we're not going to spend as much more next year as we were going to. Is Man, all... That counts as less money. You know what I mean? It's right. like that same kind of accounting. Like right. no, it's,
4: all, no, it's all about the narrative. Oh, we not lost how math works. <laughs> we lost three billion, but let's not tell you about the seven billion that we did make. We lost three billion. Baseball is not profitable. We have to make all these cuts. Da-da-da-da-da. But we're not going to tell you about our seven billion offshore bank account in the Cayman Islands.
2: I'd like to go to the Cayman Islands.
4: I'd like to have seven billion.
2: I'd like to, yeah. I'd like to have a bank account. As Take a million,
4: yeah. <laughs> Take <laughs> a million. Listen, you know, another twelve hundred would be a godsend at this point. So, hey, hey, yeah, you got <laughs> your twelve
3: hundred. <1200, laughs> fin for yourself.
2: I know, that's enough forever, right? That's how that works. <laughs> yeah, like?
4: yeah, something like that.
2: Something like that. Well, it's funny that we're talking about. That we can review in the World Series. And the first thing that everybody talks about is Justin Turner instead of the Dodgers finally winning a World Series, which is another thing that sucks about what he did, is that you really tarnished what should have been a huge moment for the Dodgers and made it about yourself.
3: It's kind of fitting, though, if you think about it. It's very
2: 2020, that's for sure. The
3: beginning of the season was ruined because of COVID, and the owners ruined it. And then the end of the season, you can't celebrate because of COVID. And that was ruined. So like it's
4: kind of really on brand with how everything's gone this year. Yeah. Um, But about the World Series itself um, and specifically, you know, the Dodgers race, you know, Ryan hit the nail on the head on last week's episode. The Dodgers were, you know, made to win that series. And if it weren't for a fluky, you know, game four, the Dodgers would have won in five. You know, the the Dodgers were the best team through and through in that game. And the Rays were good enough to take a game from them and hang around long enough to somehow, you know, just have a second game fall in their laps. But it was the Dodgers series through and through. And they were due. You know, like I, as a Nats fan, have dealt with plenty of playoff collapse and failure and i know how good it felt to finally you know win something and achieve something and also win a world series so i i'm sure dodgers fans you know have been through it super relieved now at least the diehards but now this is it this is our one and done now we can go back to hating the dodgers like normal uh and what i never
2: stopped hating the dodgers but you're you're I, being very magnanimous and it's I, admirable I,
4: Uh Never hated them on popular opinion. But, you know, also just very, very, very glad that Kershaw got one. You know, maybe this is the only one he gets, but I'm still going to value it like any other World Series, you know. And especially we saw Max finally get his, and he didn't have to. Max, very impressive pedigree, but Clayton Kershaw is next level as far as, like, what his resume, like, has, and what he's had to go through, especially with the playoff losses and yeah. collapses. But not only kind of work, reworking that narrative of playoff Kershaw, he was solid all postseason long, just super solid. He didn't have the dominant performances, but, man, he was solid. And finally he gets a World Series ring to kind of just you know really drive that nail home that like, hey, you know, I'm not in my prime anymore per se, but I am damn good and I deserve this and <laughs> I am happy for him.
3: We saw him and Max last 2 years really change the narrative around yeah. them in the playoffs. It oh, reminds great.
2: me of Ovechkin, the way it was like he oh, had absolutely. this unbelievable yeah. postseason pedigree or pre- you know regular season pedigree but just couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And you know to have like a veteran with a long career that had every accolade that he could have except that championship and I, yeah. I would say I, and I am glad that Kershaw got it. I just I really hate the Dodgers and I hate seeing them win but it is nice to see Kershaw get his for sure.
4: Yeah, there are definitely a lot of parallels between Ovi and Kershaw, so I think that's another reason I, I resonated with, with it so more, so much more. Um, but again, just happy for Kershaw. Uh, I, you know, after watching the the postseason unfold, I can still wholeheartedly say that this World Series means just as much as any other one. I understand, you know, it wasn't the same circumstances, but you put all thirty teams under the same circumstances with the same odds. And, you know, we saw teams like the Marlins win a playoff series, you know, uh, teams like the um, uh, the Padres, sorry, the Padres and White Sox, you know, show something, improve something to not only everyone else, but to themselves, like, hey, we're here. Like, let, let's go out, you know, in the 2021 offseason and, and make stuff happen so that way you know 2021 you playoffs like, exactly yeah, that was
2: fun let's exactly. do exactly that,
4: <laughs> that that was awesome so you know this season while we didn't get as much baseball as we should have or we deserved i'm very happy with it you know no regrets love the way it ended i thought the playoffs were great uh and you know the viewership w- was up so uh, i think you know this was a su- success all things considered so i'm yeah, very happy with the way
2: yeah I still and we don't need to reopen that can of worms. I still don't agree that it's all the same as any other one, but it was Open fun in. playoffs and it was neat to <laughs> see it was neat to see teams that you that would not have been in the playoffs almost certainly had the season been the length it normally is and it was neat to see some people get in you know some teams get in that that don't normally get in and probably wouldn't have they might have faded down the stretch so it was fun. It was definitely fun, and it, yeah. it was um, it was a very exciting World Series. And and I gotta give a shout out to the Rays too, who really hung in there. I mean, the Dodgers were the prohibitive favorite all season long, and through the entire postseason. But the Rays made it a series, and made it fun.
4: Yeah. One quick thing about the Rays is you know they declined, and we'll get to it. In the second half of this the show, they declined Charlie Morton's option, which I get if they are trying to re-sign him to a lesser deal because he is 37 or 36, 37. He's so he's up there. And 15 million is, is a lot. So I get it. I just hope that they do something to spend this offseason because they clearly have the payroll and their team is good enough. You know, good enough to make the playoffs, so you need the acquisitions to put them over the top, and I hope they do what is necessary to make that happen.
2: All right, well. Um, I, uh...
4: Speaking of Charlie Morton. Oh?
2: oh. Speaking Breaking of news? Charlie
3: Morton. Now, I was just want to transition into Nick and I's conversation with certified best friend of the show. Um, Amanda, you missed it, but –
4: it, we, we didn't even tell it. her about it yeah, i, I <laughs> know i
2: was gonna say missed I it i feel like forgot. i was completely left out of the loop what, on this one it'd be nice i'll, I'll talk to you someday That's friend the show who's what, never talked to me before what's <laughs> funny
4: is this is our third time interviewing him and like this time ryan and i like didn't say anything to him because I, we just <laughs> we like talking to matt that much
3: i completely forgot am i like it's been a long week okay and like i felt the, the whole World year series, actually Literally, <laughs> I thought the World Series was like three weeks ago. I was like, "Oh my god, that was this week." Um, but yeah, so Amanda, you missed it because I forgot to tell you we officially put <laughs> Matt in the interview hall. Sorry, the interview Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. Yeah, okay. so Nick, and who I said, else
2: is on the Mount Rushmore?
4: Pete, so- Sam, and uh Holden Powell. Yes, uh, maybe <laughs> yeah. Tom
3: Sileo. We haven't talked to Tom yeah. in a while. Yeah, we, we haven't
2: talked to Tom in a while.
3: We'll help Tom. Maybe we'll get Bo Porter back. Anyways, we're gonna He, hold he probably
2: really enjoyed the Braves, de- you know, self-destructing. So he'll, he'll yeah. definitely
3: be. Up for we'll we'll get him to talk about that. Yeah. So. Matt, uh, (laughs) Nick and I sat down with (laughs) Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington, um, and we talked about the upcoming offseason, Juan Soto's future with the Super 2. He gives a fantastic explanation in there, just in case you guys do not know what the Super 2 is and how that is going to impact the Nats. And yeah, give it a listen. What's up, everyone? We are joined by best friend of the podcast, trademarked, Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. You can find him on Twitter at by Matt, Matt how are you doing today on the one-year anniversary of the Nats winning the World Series?
0: Pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that it's only been 12 months uh, since the Nats won the World Series. It feels like it's been a, a lot longer for sure.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly feels like it's been like three years considering, you know, 2020, covid, all that stuff, but also just the way the nats played in 2020. It seems like forever since we've been relevant, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: aged a few lifetimes.
4: Yeah, basically.
3: Um, yeah, so we're just going to dive on into it and just kind of start with like the most important news right now. It's that Juan Soto is now super two eligible. Um, there's a lot of people who are panicking about it just because he was going to go from making league minimum. He's probably going to make $10 million. I don't really think it will impact anything too much, but how do you think him now being arbitration eligible will change their financial plan this offseason?
0: Well, you know, the Nationals have never shied away from bringing up prospects when they think they're ready. Trey Turner was a Super 2 player as well that has never been a consideration for them as far as oh, you know, down the line we want to make sure we're, we're in a better financial spot. They, they always call them up. They think they're ready. So I give the Nationals credit for that. Uh, you know, the, the Super 2 player rule is, is something that I think, you know, is very good for players who are on the younger, younger spectrum like Soto but aren't really making their worth. I mean, Soto's been one of the best hitters in baseball. For him to be making the league minimum even another year uh, is an absolute travesty. So as far as Soto goes, you know, great for him. Happy for him to be able to get his due. Probably going to be making a record amount. Chris Bryant set the record a few years ago at 10.8 million for the first year of arbitration. Uh, my colleague Todd Davis expects for Soto to get around 12 uh, in this first year of arbitration. So it's certainly a, a big raise. I mean, that's 12 million dollars you weren't expecting to pay. Um, now the Nationals probably saw this coming, so I wouldn't be surprised that you know if they had a plan for how this is going to work. But you know we're working in an era now. Uh, where spending is probably going to be coming back this offseason. We've seen a lot of teams, you know, kind of do some head-scratching declines of player options uh, where guys are hitting for agency and you, you really felt like, you know, oh, they, they would have been worth that kind of money. I mean, Brad Hand, an example, left-handed reliever on the Cleveland Indians at a $10 million option for next year. They declined that, even though he's been one of the best lefties in baseball uh, over the past several years. So uh, I think we, that's not only the beginning. We're going to probably see a couple more guys. Uh, Charlie Morton was the latest today. He just hit free agency as well. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of spending that's going to be cut back this offseason. The Nationals probably are going to be in that group. Um, so it, it definitely impacts their, their financial picture for this year. But, you know, it also could potentially, you know, speed up the rate of, of extension negotiations. I mean, there's no doubt that Soto is going to be looking for a Mike Trout-esque contract uh, you know, not sure if it'll be in that range, but maybe around the Mookie Betts, uh, you know, situation, we might be looking at that as kind of the future if the Nats want to lock him up. So the fact that they already would have to be paying him around $12 million next year might make them say, hey, if we can work out an extension where we only have to pay him, say, $8 million uh, next year, and we kind of push that money down the line, as we know the Nationals love to do, uh, you know, perhaps they kind of step up and say, okay, let's let's try and make an extension work. So I think National fans would be very happy to see something
4: like that unfold. Absolutely. And for some of our listeners and just, you know, people that aren't us, aren't baseball experts, you know, because nobody more knowledgeable on baseball than Ryan and myself and you, of course. Um, What's the difference between, you know, a super two and just a normal arbitration process? Because I don't think anyone sees 12 million and things. Oh, Soto's not worth that. Everyone knows Soto's worth that, and even more, even at this young of an age, but what's the difference between you know, going into a Super 2 arbitration process versus a normal one?
0: Yeah, so Super 2 player uh, is a player who uh, accrued more than two years of official MLB service time uh, before reaching that third season. It's a, a pretty rare occurrence. doesn't happen to a ton of players. Uh, But basically, every rookie contract, the way it's structured, uh, is you make three uh, league minimum for the first three years that you are in the major leagues, and then after that, you go into the arbitration process uh, where you, as a player and the team, negotiate your salary uh, with progressive raises each of those three years. Now, it's it's not fixed. You have to negotiate that with the team. If during arbitration you can't come to terms uh, on an exact figure for your salary for that season... Uh, then you enter what's called the arbitration process, where each side submits a figure that they believe the player is worth for that individual season. And then an indep- independent arbiter board, independent of MLB, independent of the player or the team, anything like that, uh, they sit down, hear the case of both sides, kind of you know like a courtroom-type situation, uh, and then go back and make the decision on what that player is worth. They just pick between one of those two, those two numbers. There is a deadline uh, to come up with that. I believe it is in January uh that where both sides have to have submitted uh their figures by if they don't reach a deal before that they could reach a deal uh, after they've submitted the figures before the arbitration hearing they're still allowed to negotiate in that window uh, but if it gets to the hearing and neither side has uh, come up with a number uh, then we'll, we'll go to the arbitrary rating now the nationals have a good record of working out deals before having to go to that arbitration process mm-hmm. uh, and we've also seen in the past when they don't reach the deals beforehand the front office doesn't really take that kindly. Uh, we saw it with uh, Jerry Blevins as is, is an example uh, a few years ago, how they think they only haggled over half a million dollars, uh, and that was the final ruling, and then it went in Blevins' favor, and they immediately traded him to the Mets uh, before the even, season even started. So uh, the Nats don't take kindly to losing out in arbitration hearings, but they also don't typically go to them.
4: Yeah, it seems like because uh, that's the point I was just going to bring up. I remember when Bryce was in his final year of arbitration, they gave him you know, kind of a good faith deal. It was, I believe at the time, a record-setting set, record deal for the fifth year of arbitration or whatever it was. And I think it was like $21 million or, for the year or something like that. So I know the Nats typically do have uh, a good strategy when it comes to approaching arbitration, because you really don't hear about the Nats – Going through anything like Delon Betances did with the Yankees, or J.T. Realmuto did with the Phillies, or anything like that, um, they they do have a good track record. Um, so, do you think so? The projected number between ten and twelve for Soto. Do you think it's going to be you know pretty smooth sailing? It's not going to be too much back and forth.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, the Nationals are in a spot where. Juan Soto is very clearly looking like a franchise player. And, you know, even if you you don't think you're going to extend him for the next couple of years and you're going to ride him out through arbitration and, you know, maybe a year out from free agency or approaching free agency is when you try to strike the deal, you you don't really want to, you know, get him angry. You don't want to piss him off, uh, him and his his representation, which, of course, is Scott Boris. Uh, So, you know, they're going to play hardball. They're going to try and squeeze every bit of, of dollars out of the Nationals that they can. Uh, You know, I think that for this year, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they give him that record setting uh, 12 million or or around that rate and then see where they're at with the collective bargaining agreement. If they reach a new agreement uh, after next season, when the the current one expires uh, and, and see kind of what the financial ramifications would be moving forward from there, because right now everybody's trying to get under the luxury tax. Uh, I think that, you know, we're we're kind of reaching a point, like I said before, with COVID and everything, spending is just going to be kind of generally down, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Nationals just, you know, try to go for the safe route, give Soto, you know, comfortably what he wants, just not, you know, anything absurd, uh, and then revisit everything next offseason.
3: I mean, I think a lot of Nats fans hope he's going to be here for a long time, so I know they're going to pay attention to how this negotiation process goes. Hopefully that kind of paves the road for more down the road, and then the other question that's facing this team that involves Soto is, how are they going to protect them? You know, we saw in September, he got intentionally walked a record amount in the month, mm-hmm. and if they don't protect them, it's going to be like that over the whole season. So who do you think they're going to go after to protect them? Like, are they going to go for the top-end market guys or do what they've done in years past and just go for those B and C level guys and kind of just supplement production?
4: Yeah, who do the Nats need and why is it George Springer? Springer should absolutely be at the top of the list. There's
0: no doubt about that. He is the the best bat available, uh, and signing him immediately gives their lineup an entirely new look for next year uh, that you you really can't get by even signing Real Muto or Lamehi or any of those other guys. Now, it it does kind of depend who they go after as to who protects Soto. Uh, You know, if they go after Springer, he's traditionally been a leadoff guy, right? Uh, and and I've, I was calling for them to do this last year. Uh, they, they did it a little bit throughout the season. Um, but I, I'm very much in the camp that Trey Turner should hit third. Uh, and you hit Juan Soto second, A, to give him more at-bats, and B, to give Soto you know, one of the best guys to protect him behind you know, a feared hitter. Because you know, even if they were to bring back a Howie Kendrick, you know, a 37-year-old Howie Kendrick really isn't going to scare uh, opposing pitchers to not face Soto. I mean, even if, even if Kendrick would have somehow put together a set season to that he did in 2019, staying relatively healthy throughout the year, I would still much rather face him th- than Juan Soto. I mean, there's very few hitters I would rather face uh, than Juan Soto in baseball, and it starts and ends with Mike Trout. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, the Nationals probably are going to be fairly active. I mean, they have, you know, a, a position open in right field. They very, could go in a lot of different directions at first base. Uh, they also could sign somebody to play second or third base and move starting catcher around, depending, uh, because I, I don't think that you know they see Carter Keyboom as, as being even close to ready to handling a starting job right now. Luis Garcia, maybe, but I think that they'd still go after you know, some other kind of veteran infielder to kind of add to that mix. They already signed Josh Harrison to an extension uh, earlier this uh, postseason, so they've got him as kind of a fallback option. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely a complex question, but I think that if you sign Real Muto, he's going to be the guy protecting Soto. You bet Soto 30, keep Turner in the leadoff spot, and boom, you've got Real Muto protecting him. That's, that's a pretty good bet. If you go Springer, maybe you move back Trey Turner. Same thing uh, with D.J. LeMahieu. If you sign Michael Brantley, he could, he could definitely hit behind um, Soto. So it, it's going to kind of depend on which way they decide to go. Uh, one bat that I, I don't know if, if you, this is a question you guys are going to ask me, but one bat that I don't think anyone's talking about they should go after is Jock Peterson uh, and, and possibly bring back uh, Ryan Zimmerman then to, to hit against lefties because uh, then if you have G- Peterson who can play in the outfield and first base uh, and then you get another uh, you know, maybe B-grade outfielder, like you were mentioning, even Brantley, uh, as somebody who probably won't be super expensive but can definitely bring a presence to your lineup, I would really like to see you know, how they can make a situation like that work.
4: Yeah, I think we, Ryan, Ryan put out a couple of predictions for uh, like offseason moves. And I think we did have Jock Peterson in there just because he he is younger, has experience, has some pop, which I mean, just look at our lineup last year, severely uh, outside of Soto, obviously. But, you know, we had some guys that got on base, but it lacked pop. And, you know, you don't want to rely too much on the home run ball, but certainly nice to have when you need it. Um, one guy I want to highlight.
0: highlightlust pop also. yes,
4: absolutely, because we know air teams did not did not work out like we yeah, had it did not pan out. yeah, like we had hoped. Um, but I, I agree, Springer should absolutely be the guy, but I'm sure there'll be a bunch of teams with some money to to blow in. Uh, you know, desire of the services. So one guy I want to highlight is JT Real Muto. Obviously, he's been linked to the Nats for years now, even uh, before he was with the Phillies. Um, obviously, never came to fruition. They wouldn't move Robles, yada, yada, yada. We know how that unfolded. But, you know, here he is. He's, what, 30, 31, still a, a top catcher on the market. And Nats fans know all too well how much of a black hole the, the catcher position has been. But with JT Real Muto, in particular. Obviously he is a little bit older, especially if you're looking at a long-term deal, but specifically looking at previous years, Yasmani Grandal's a comp I want to bring up. Before he got his long-term extension, he had to sign a one-year essentially qualifying offer deal. Is that something you could see happening to JT Ormuto, one, because of his age, but two, because of the collective bargaining agreement looming?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I would not be surprised if we see a lot of guys go for a high AAV one-year, two-year deal, um, you know, maybe something with a player option for a second year. Um, just with, you know, the, like you said, the CBA looming, uh, you know, coming off a 2020 season where you, you play teams didn't have a whole lot of information. I mean, you know, you, you, you talk about a team like the Nationals that relies on scouting, right? Obviously, they, they saw Real Muto a ton, but like a guy like Springer, they didn't see at all all season and they weren't allowed the MLB restricted teams from sending scouts out to other ballparks You know a lot of teams aren't working with a ton of information. So, uh, you know real Muto I expect multiple teams in the NL East to be interested in him uh, You know, obviously the Phillies can't be counted out But the Mets and Nationals are two teams that very much could sign him uh, to a long-term deal but if, if he doesn't get that kind of interest from the NL East alone uh, we may not see a whole lot of other teams be willing to go in on him just because they weren't able to send scouts out there, they weren't able to you know, fully evaluate him uh, in his final year before free agency. So I, I can see him doing that just to kind of not even say rebuild his value because he's led all catchers in Fangraph's war each of the past three years, uh, but just to kind of reset everything, you know, get teams to start making revenue again. We still don't know, you know if they're going to have fans in the stands next year, what that deal is going to be. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely think we could see sell for that. Is he going to try to do that? Absolutely not. But, you know, neither did he. I was wanting Grandal, so uh, it's kind of interesting. But with him, you know, being 30 years old and a catcher, if I were him, I'd want to sign a long-term deal the earlier the better because every year that you're, you're sure. waiting to sign that deal is, is every year at the end that teams are going to be, uh, you know, less eager to kind of jump on it. I think right. that, you know, realistically right now, we could be seeing a six-year deal for Real Muto. Uh, and, and with, with Springer, you know, Springer, like you said, probably going to be the top guy in the market. I think the Mets are, are you know, a new, new owner, Steve Cohen, coming in, a guy who wasn't impacted by COVID, you know, with all his millions. He doesn't have to worry about, uh, you know, having all, all this payroll, you know, having to be cut back because of losses the previous year. He's coming in with a fresh slate. A lot of people expect him to be very active, and Springer being the top free agent, you know, I, I think he might be priced out of the Nationals' range a little bit, whereas Real Muto, is a team, you know, kind of like with Corbin we saw two years ago, is a player that I could see the Nationals kind of reaching for a little bit, maybe tacking on that sixth year when other teams, other teams won't do it, uh, just to get their guy. Um, so, you know, I think real, real Muto, as far as landing spots goes, the Nationals got to be in at least like the top three.
4: Well yeah, you you mentioned the Mets. I mean I sources tell me that, that not only are they signing Real Muto, they are trading for Lindor, signing Springer and Bauer. So <laughs> watch, watch out. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, Steve Phillips I saw that this morning too. It was <laughs> ridiculous. I don't I mean, yeah. You, the whole tweet was, you know, if if they sign uh, those three guys and trade for Lindor, they'll be instant contenders. Well, yeah. I mean, I think most teams, if they were to do those <laughs> sort four of
4: things, probably
0: probably be instant contenders, even if they're the Orioles.
4: Listen, so. Matt, the, the the Mets. If there's any team that would find a way not to be contenders, it's the Mets. So. And, and the Mets got to worry about pitching, first and foremost. I mean, they've, they've got Jacob
0: deGrom and, and David Peterson at the top of the, the rotation. And then from there, I mean, best one-two punch in the gone. <laughs> Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, just with, with Jacob deGrom, it might be the best one. Yeah,
4: play. exactly. Um, Throw him out there two days in a row.
0: But uh, I think that Bauer should be their top talk target, honestly. If they're going to go in on a free agent, uh, he's probably the guy just because, you know, I mean, they, they've lost so much fishing, and, and Noah Syndergaard isn't supposed to come back until mid of the year. Uh, I think they're projected to start the year with, with Robert Giselman and, and Stephen Matz, who each have five-plus ERAs over the past two seasons. Um, so, you know, they're definitely in a precarious spot. They thought that they could count on uh, a couple of veterans uh, last year, and it didn't pan out. So. I'm interested to see how they kind of rebuild that rotation. Because I think the Mets lineup is pretty legit already. I mean, you know, Dominic Smith really came out of nowhere this year uh, and is looking like a guy. J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil, Michael Sanfordo are all very solid hitters. We saw what Pete Alonzo did as a rookie, and he kind of struggled. But, you know, small sample size, I'm expecting him to kind of return to form next year. Uh, so that, that lineup, I mean, I, like as much as it can use Springer, I really don't think they need it. I think the, the rotation in the bullpen are, are obvious areas of that need addressing first.
4: Yeah, Bauer also fits that Mets like persona too, so that might be a match made in heaven. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: we just won't hear. We'll hear about so much from Bauer moving forward if he's on the Mets. Yeah, probably probably. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of rotation and pitching, the Nats have to dress the back end of their rotation this year. Um, I want nothing to do with Bauer. I think that'd be a terrible investment with their money. So they could turn to in-house options. Although those. Aren't too good. Um, Charlie Morton is now a free agent. Do you think that is someone they could bring here on a one or two year deal? for as, as you no, know, he may retire. But who do you think they could target to fill out the end of their rotation?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways they could go. I think, I think the, the primary concern is the, is the lineup, right? So they've got to address that, and I think that's going to be what they kind of go all in on in terms of you know spending the most money. Uh, so when we, we come back around to the rotation, that number four spot uh, is probably not going to be somebody who's going to command a ton of money. I agree with you. I don't think Bauer is the way to go. Not necessarily because I think he's a bad pitcher, but just because the Nationals they just have so many other needs right now. You know, as much as they might love to invest in a fourth guy and have that rotation be Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Bauer. I mean, you know, that, that's an insane thing to think about. But at the same time, you know, they really do need to address that lineup and. They've already poured so many resources into the rotation already that, you know, they kind of need to start spreading the wealth around a little bit. So I think that Bauer is kind of off the table, but uh, I could see Morton uh, being a guy that they bring on on like a two-year deal. You know, they, they, they like the veteran presence that he would bring. You know, they always talk about how they, they like how guys gel in clubhouses, and we have always heard good things about Charlie Morton, plus, you know, his ability to come through in postseason can't hurt uh, either, so... Uh, he's definitely an option. Uh, um, Corey Kluber might have his option declined uh, by the Rangers, so that's something to keep an eye on. I could see them giving him an incentive laden deal to be that number four guy it could be very interesting there. Um, but if they want to go with a safe bet, I, I think the, the player that stands out to me the most is Mike Leak, uh, who just had his option declined uh, by the Diamondbacks. He is now a free agent. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but he—I think it was six straight seasons before 2020 that he hit uh, either 30 starts or 200 innings every year. I mean, you know, he's not a necessarily like game-changing pitcher. You know, he's not a Trevor Bauer, he's not even a Corey Kluber uh, or, or Charlie Morton, but he's a guy who will give you every year, you know, 25 to 30 starts of 4.5 ERA baseball. And look, the Nationals have put so much money into this rotation, right? They're counting on—you know—they're saying if we're going to be a good team. Our three best pitchers need to be our three best pitchers. Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin need to be the guys, right? Why not bring in that fourth guy who may not be a game changer like those other three, but you know you can count on him for innings. You know, he'll give you six almost every time out, and he'll stay healthy and he'll get through the entire season uh, you know, when you have the, the injury history of, of Strasburg. You have Scherzer, who's you know, starting to bother or battle father time. Uh, you have Corbin, who has gotten Tommy John in the past, and you know could you know we talked about before he signed how he was kind of an injury concern as well. So there, there are lots of injury concerns with those top three guys, but they have that that superstar potential where I don't think you need to invest in a guy who's going to be you know that fourth guy who's going to have superstar potential. You need somebody you can at least rely on to be steady because that's what Anibal Sanchez wasn't this year. And not to say that you know he caused the whole rotation to unravel, but you know if if he and, and either Austin both or Eric Fetty could have provided some stability at the back end of the rotation. It really could have helped level things out with, you know, Corbin kind of getting lit up sometimes, and, and Scherzer, you know, battling his own, and obviously Strasburg being out for the year. Uh, I think that that back end, what you're really trying to look for here, is stability more so than star power.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've hopefully, you know, they kind of dress the lineup first, and then they realize they can get someone on the back end, even someone like Kevin Gosman, who's not going to demand the world, but someone who's just going to eat innings and have like a four ERA, that'd be the best option because top three was questionable last year. But then again, if they don't dress the lineup, nothing else matters at all. Um, and then you mentioned earlier, I just want to circle back to it about Cardi Kibum and Luis Garcia. I know Kibum's not ready and there's been a lot of comments kind of in the organization are coming out about him. Do you think he's on the roster next year? Like, do you think there's any chance they trade him this offseason?
0: Well, I think we talked about this on the last, last time I came on, but Carter Keeboom's trade value shot. I mean, their opportunity to trade him has come and gone. <laughs> he needs to show something at the major league level if they're going to get any semblance of value for him. Uh, so right now, you know, the, the minor leagues are expected to be back next year, even if they're, you know, contracted by however many teams they decide to cut off. Um I, I would expect Kibum to be back down in the minors. Uh, the Nationals don't have a Triple A affiliate yet, so we don't know uh, where they would be. But I think anywhere is better than Fresno, uh, with how hitter friendly it is. I mean, Kibum's numbers were Hawaii. pretty good in Triple A, and it not it, <laughs> Hawaii, sure. Yeah, I mean the playing like, <laughs> would be that much longer, right? <laughs> but um, just with how hitter friendly uh, the PCL is. He booms numbers were pretty good in AAA, and a lot of people were saying, okay, yeah he, He's ready for the majors, but if you looked at his double-a numbers. They really weren't that special uh, and, and you know, obviously the, the fielding was a question And I think he actually did a lot better than a lot of people were expecting at third base uh, But it, it was just the bat. I mean, he didn't hit a single home run the entire time uh, He played this year and you know, the lack of the minor leagues kind of hurt I think that next year letting him, you know, try to figure himself out the minors uh, and then kind of be an injury replacement is the best move. Because at that point, it's just a death piece. And, you know, you're not really counting on a death piece to be uh, anything special. Uh, so I think if you're in a position next year where you're not counting on Carter Boom, uh like they were this year, it, you know, I'm, obviously they, they were willing to split time with the Struble Cabrera for him. Uh, but at the same time, you know, even in that capacity, I think you can't really expect anything out of him. Garcia, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't love the idea of rolling with him as a starter. Um, You know, his defense, as good of plays as he did make, he did have some errors. I think, he, you know, he still has to catch up uh, to the speed of the major leagues a little bit. I mean, the raw talent's undeniable in the field. I mean, he's going to be a spectacular fielder. fielder. Having him and Victor Robles up the middle uh, defensively, I mean, there's just no balls that are going to be dropping between them. So, uh, you know, long-term, you feel good about it. The bat was actually more effective than the Nationals were probably expecting, uh, this year, yeah, they'll be it again, small sample size in 2020. But, you know, I think they were impressed with what they saw out of him. But, you know, he's so young. I mean, would it really hurt to send him back down to the minors again next year uh, and then, you know, roll with Starling Castro, who's got one year left on his deal, and whatever, you know, infielder you decide to bring in, uh, whether it be somebody who split time with Josh Harrison or a guy like D.J. LeMahieu. Uh, I just think that, you know, Keyboom and Garcia are both so young, there's really no need to just throw them up in the majors right now. Uh, especially, you know, with these long-term deals for Juan Soto and potentially Trey Turner looming, uh, you know, being able to save an extra year of service time on Garcia or Kibum where you think they could contribute down the line and then pay them the league minimum, I mean, that can't hurt. And then you have them in the minors, you know, in case a guy like Castro gets hurt again or LeMahieu or whoever else they bring in, you know, and at that point, okay, you see what you have in them at that point. But until then, I just think that both those guys would be better served in the minor leagues for at least another year, uh, and then kind of brought up on an opportunity basis.
4: Yeah, makes sense. Um, my last question for you before we let you go is, you know, I kind of – I like asking this question any time of the year, but obviously when you approach the trade deadline or, as we're doing now, approach offseason, it's much more relevant. And I like to put, you know, our, our guests in the GM spot – if there was any move you would make, not even just like an acquisition or whatever, but for instance, they were toying with the idea of putting Soto in right. Um, you know, maybe you extend someone, whatever it may be. Maybe you do trade or you know go after a guy. Uh, if you were in the GM spot, what's your first move? Uh,
0: I think... Aside from the two things that I mentioned, uh, Jock Peterson in um, free agency and moving Trey Turner to the number three spot in the order, those are kind of two areas that I've been stumping really hard for them to do. So I think those are two things that I would jump on right off the bat. But if I go past those two things for something new, I, I would say extend Trey Turner uh, right now. Um, and I, I, mean, I can't remember if we didn't talk about this in the last podcast either, but um the the shortstop market is about to explode i mean right now you know xander bogart is the highest paid shortstop in baseball uh and it's only about 10.5 million aav right now so now is the time to jump on a trade contract before guys like javier baez and trevor story and francisco lindor all hit free agency and really inflate the market uh you kind of want to have trey turner be the guy to set that market uh which preferably a little bit lower uh, than what those other guys will be signing for. So I would jump on a Trey Turner extension right now. I mean, you've you let Anthony Rendon walk. You've let Bryce Harper walk. You've, you've traded Daniel Murphy. Uh, you know, those are all three guys who, you know, were main contributors in your lineup just two years ago. Uh, and, and now all three are gone, and you're left with Soto and Turner. And, you know, the Nationals farm system is, if not the worst, one of the worst in the in, in entire major leagues. We saw that Carter Keeboom, you know, isn't ready to step up and be that guy. Luis Garcia doesn't look like a bat that can really carry the middle of the order. In your organization right now, it's Soto and Turner are the only two bats over the next five years that you could project uh, to be able to carry that offense. So uh, I see Turner being priority number one uh, for the Nationals, especially this offseason, given what's coming. Now, the Nationals, like we said before, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty going on with the CBA and, and COVID and everything. So they might not feel like they're in a position to spend, but. You know, the Nationals in 2019, that, that offseason, they were the most active team. If you took out the, the two $300 million-plus deals that were signed that offseason, the, the Manny Machado going to the Padres and Bryce Harper going to the Phillies, the Nationals were the highest-spending team by a wide margin, you know, in that offseason. And they jumped early and they attacked the key areas that they felt they needed uh, and, and so if the Nationals are willing to spend this offseason when a lot of other teams are retreating, because we saw back then, you know, that was when a lot of players were griping that free agency wasn't mm-hmm. getting enough action and a lot of players were left, you know, the teams were, were not spending and, you know, they were trying to get under the luxury tax and all this stuff, but the Nationals took advantage. They were one of the highest spending teams in the league that year uh, and it clearly paid off because they targeted the right guys. So if the Nationals take an aggressive approach this offseason, I definitely think Turner should be part of it.
4: I agree, um, but, you know, we, we aren't Mike Rizzo. Unfortunately, I would love to have his job, but, you know, just gut feeling, gut reaction, do you think they they have a splashy offseason, or is it just these middling, uh, you know, kind of minor moves?
0: I see one big move. I think I think they, they go after one of the top guys. Springer, um, even spring. if it ends up being <laughs> a guy like Ozuna, yeah, I mean, Springer's got to be priority number one. Uh, there's no doubt. But, you know, if he gets too pricey, I could see him going after Ozuna, uh, which is a move I wouldn't want them to make because of his defensive issues and the fact that he exploded in 2020 offensively, but he's never been that kind of hitter before that. Uh, so we don't really, you know, you kind of have to expect him to regress a little bit from what he did this year, leading the league in home runs. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would say, yes, they're, they're going to have a, a splashy offseason, but I, I'm definitely. I guess the word's apprehensive uh, for which guy they end up going after. I would love LeMahieu, but I think he's going to return to the Yankees. Um, so yep, I, I would feel like you know LeMahieu would be a, a great option. They did actually have negotiations with him the last time he was a free agent, but he ultimately ended up going over uh, to the Yankees. So uh, the Nationals have shown interest there before at least, so we'll see if that kind of revives itself again. But, um, yeah, I, I do think that they're going to go after one of these big names. Uh, it's kind of a question of who.
4: Yep, makes sense. All right, I lied. Last question, last last question. All right, um, have <laughs> the Cowboys good. have the Cowboys found the answer at quarterback uh, in Ben DiNucci?
0: Ben DiNucci, Ben damn you, pride! That's right, I'm glad you guys saw that. Uh, yeah, Newt. Well, let me let me give you a rundown on Newt. He uh, <laughs> led legend, <laughs> to a national championship, national <laughs> championship, FCS. Uh, ultimately lost in that game to North Dakota State, which is... Uh, the That's always not that like good. Carson Wentz. So Carson uh, So, yeah, he also threw five interceptions in that game. Um, <laughs> so there are some concerns. I, guess, <laughs> I think that uh, there are certainly areas where you're saying, okay, uh, you know, we're, we're not so super sure about this guy. But the thing about Nushi, the Nushi you got to know, is he's never afraid to sling it, uh, he had very good receivers at JMU, at least on the FCS level. So he was able to put up a lot of deep balls, one-on-ones. Uh, so if his receivers can put him in that position to, you know, throw up those balls and make those catches, which he's got a pretty good uh, receiving core, they could definitely make some plays. Uh, but it, it's, it's the, you know, bad mistakes. He'll you know, make some terrible reads uh, and, and often throw into double coverage. So you kind of have to worry about that. He didn't look great, obviously, in that first little stint that he had last week. Uh, I am fully expecting the Eagles to roll to a win here. I'm I'm on the new train. I'm excited for him, uh, but I don't think that we want to get ahead of ourselves and talk about him, you know, being the next anything uh, in the NFL until we see it, uh, because he's he's definitely had some moments where you're just kind of like, come on, man.
3: Prediction on the stat line Sunday: one for three, Uh, 32 yards.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna say i'm gonna say he has good good completion percentage that's definitely uh, uh an area i don't i think we're gonna see a lot of checkdowns with a few deep shots so i'm gonna go if you if you were to set the over under at 200 passing yards i would put the over uh on that and i say he throws a touchdown pass in two
4: interceptions well life's in too the short game. to bet on there so <laughs> exactly exactly and i'm also rostering amari cooper in a couple fantasy leagues so you know this is valuable fantasy football information for our future inevitable fantasy football podcast we do together
0: right 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 i have um zeke so i'm feeling good about him getting the workload i just actually need zeke to play football because he hasn't been doing it the last two weeks
4: yeah and if he would stop fumbling that'd be nice too
0: that would that would also be nice. Yeah. Well, I don't want to ask for too much.
3: I mean, the podcast is just happening right now. <laughs> it absolutely is. We could yeah. do another hour. <laughs> hey, man,
0: we, we can dive
3: in. Let's go. Right. <laughs> uh, Matt, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you're definitely the Mount Rushmore of podcast guests. Yes, I made it. <laughs> yes, best friend okay. of the pod. <laughs> um, make sure you guys follow Matt on Twitter at ByMattWyrick and head on over to NBC Sports Washington to check out all of Matt's work on the Nats and D.C. sports. Matt, thanks for coming. Always a pleasure. Have a great Halloween.
0: All right, fellas, yeah, and enjoy the one-year anniversary. Yes sir. yes, sir.
4: Thanks, Matt. Oh. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs>
3: Once again, big thank you to Matt wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. Um, we are going to have a fantasy football podcast with him one day. It's going to yeah. happen. It's it's going to happen. Absolute best friend of the show. Make sure you guys give him a follow on Twitter at at by Matt Weirich and check out all of his articles on NBC Sports Washington.
2: There you go. Well, I... Uh... Can't wait to listen to the interview either since I didn't know it happened until <laughs> today. So should be good. Looking forward to it. Uh,
4: anyway, yeah, you... I'm glad
2: you guys got into the Super Two stuff though, because yeah. I do think that's something that is poor you know, the arbitration system is so it's so strange and and kind of complicated and I don't think a lot of people understand it really. And the Super Two is really into the weeds on it. So I think helping people understand that and why it's important for the Nats this off season with Soto is is definitely worth a listen.
4: Yeah, it's definitely something we're going to run into. Uh, I don't know when that kind of stuff is, you know, decided if it's through the arbitration process, but that's something that's going to run into, and Matt does a great job of explaining it. So, much better than I could.
2: (laughs) Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, Matt, for joining the show. And um, let's get into our free agency predictions. This should be fun. So, Nick, I know you put together a list for us of some that were on the which where'd
4: you get on The MLB. Yeah, MLB trade rumors uh, today uh, is Monday, um, so if you're listening to this throughout the week, that today uh, MLB trade rumors released their top 50 free agents as well as predictions for both their landing spot and projected contract. Um, so that's what I'm basing my list off of. Uh, we I just listed 15 as well as some, you know. Uh, potential targets for the Nats if they miss out or when they miss out on on most of these top 15 guys. So uh, we'll just run through um, each guy, give a quick blurb prediction for where, where we think they're going to land. I would say, you know, these contracts are probably pretty accurate, but if you have anything differing, we can go from there. Um, But also I wanted to do more. I think we did 10 last year and I think, Amanda, you and I only got one right, and Monty and Ryan got two right. So hopefully if we expand the pool, we get a little bit more correct this time.
2: (laughs) Exactly. We won't go into the percentages. We'll just say we got more right, and it'll be fine.
4: Exactly. That's an improvement. (laughs) Improvement. All right. So number one on MLB Trade Rumors list was the best free agent starting pitcher available, and that is Trevor Bauer. Love him or hate him, he comes with a personality, and he is who he is. Number one on this year's free agent list. So Amanda, do you want to start us off with your prediction?
2: Yeah, um, I do think he's going to go somewhere like with with star power. He seems to love the spotlight. He likes, you know, promoting his own brand. He's he's a guy who doesn't he's not a Rendon who's going to want to go rot on the angels where nobody's paying attention to him. So Dodgers, maybe Yankees. You know, somewhere where he's going to have a big media spotlight. And and I think that they were saying four years, 128 sounds pretty, mm-hmm. sounds pretty right to me as far as the, as far as the price. But I don't know. I, I don't know about Dodgers. I don't know that they're going to make a splash like that, but I would be surprised if it's the Yankees, if I had to put a, had to put a prediction on it.
4: So Yankees?
2: Yeah, I'll go Yankees.
4: Okay. uh, Ryan, you want to go next? Yeah. So he is going to rot somewhere. <laughs>
3: Um, and this team is going to give him a fifth year, just so they can ensure that they sign him. And I think he is going to sign in LA, but not with the Dodgers. He is going to the Angels. Um, really? The Angels desperately need. The Angels desperately need pitching because they're tired of wasting Trout, and they're going to usher that in. With Trevor Bauer, he's going to be their headline guy. He could still do his brand, his marketing, and everything because he's in L.A., just not the big show power at the Dodgers. And I think they give him a fifth or a sixth here to ensure that
4: they get him. So I have Trevor Bauer to the Angels.
2: Oh, that's an interesting thought process. I don't hate it.
4: Yeah, I can definitely see that one. Um, I don't know the specifics of the pool holes contract, but I know obviously he's at the end of it, so they have some money coming off the books. Um And really, they only have Trout and Rendon, you know, that they're paying right now. So they should have plenty of money to spend. So and the need is obviously there. I also think Trevor Bauer is going to head to California, but it's not the Dodgers. It's not the Angels. I haven't gone to the Padres. Um, I think, you know, the benefits of L.A. still apply or can be applied to. San Diego, the Padres are young, exciting team, a lot of youthful energy that he can use to promote his own brand, which he does a great job of doing again, love it or hate it. He does a great job of marketing himself and he is good for baseball because again, love it or hate it, you know, his, uh, content provides, you know, engagement, And comments and whatnot. So I have him going to the Padres. Uh, They definitely need the pitching, and he likes Mike Clevenger. They have a good relationship, so that could be a deciding factor. Um, Young, exciting team, maybe one or two pieces away from being a real threat. So I think Trevor Bauer helps their cause.
2: He could fit in well there. You know, it's a very, uh, like you said, young, exciting team that you know kind of likes the swagger. I think he would. Yeah. He would fit in there really well.
4: Agreed. All right. Next is JT Real Muto. Nats fans know this name well. Uh, been linked to it for years now. Um, prediction from MLB trade rumors was to the Mets for five years, $125 million. And according to the Mets, they're signing Bauer, Real Muto, Springer, Anazuna, and trading for Lindor. And that's not a joke, but, you know, we'll see. Money,
2: money, money back the um,
4: over there. But Ryan, where do you think JT Real Muto is going
3: to land? So I'm not buying this whole thing now like, oh my God, the Mets have new owners. They're going to get everyone. They're going to become like the greatest team of all time. Not buying that, but they're signing JT really good, Joe. Um, Wilson Ramos come off the books. They have a solid lineup already. Um, I do think pitching is their bigger concern, but they're... Gonna go after Real Muto, and I think they mightily overpay him. So he stays in NL East. I think he gets more than the five one twenty five that MLB trade rumors projects. I would I say think,
4: six at least.
3: I think he's gonna get one fifty, um, because I know I like I just ripped all the owners for it, but the owners are gonna play poor, and you got this billionaire who's like I gained money, I didn't lose anything, and just spend like mad, and he's gonna throw a ton of money at Real Muto. So I do have him going to the Mets.
2: Yeah, I actually agree with that. I, uh, if I had to pick, it, it seems like, it seems like the most likely landing place. For the sake of being different, I could see maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the Blue Jays or something. But I don't think they're going to want to pay him. And I think you're right. If somebody dangles that sixth year, that he'll he'll want that. And the Mets are the most likely to do that. And didn't did the Phillies issue him a qualifying offer? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, obviously, he's not going to take that, and I don't think they're going to make a real play for him once he declines the qualifying offer. So, I, I do actually think this one, at the risk of being boring, I'm going to go with the Mets.
4: Uh, yeah, I also went with the Mets um, just because I don't think they make really any other moves besides this one big one, but Steve Cohen is going to make want to make that you know initial splash to mm-hmm. – tried to convince everyone that things will be different when really the Mets are always going to be the Mets. They are. No matter what you try to do, you can strip that foundation to the bone and the Mets are going to be the Mets. They're still the Mets
2: in their DNA.
4: Yeah, they're going (laughs) to get real Muto, which will be a nice addition to their lineup, but it won't be enough to really make them anything worthwhile. So we're all on the Mets. All right. Next is the big one, the head honcho, George Springer. I'll start this (laughs) one off. Yeah. um, You know, George Springer, I would love him on the Nats. Absolutely love him. I don't care about what happened. That's all in the past. I care about what he can bring us for the future. And I see him, Juan Soto, Trey Turner in the lineup, and I just feel things. You know, I want George Springer badly, but I do not see him signing with the Nats. I think the Nats are going to get outbid. Oh, and I should say they have him to the White Sox for MOV trade rumors. That is White Sox five for 125. I also think that's low, but he is what, 30 or 31. So maybe that makes sense. Uh, but I do think an AL team makes more sense for George Springer, at least at the current moment in time, because the DH isn't confirmed for, for 2021. Um, and if you're paying someone that long of a contract, you're going to want a DH spot for the, the, the latter part of that contract. So I actually agree with MLB trade rumors. Again, not exciting, but I think the White Sox, again, young, exciting team, could use that veteran presence, that veteran leadership of someone who's been there before, similar to what Dallas Keuchel did for their staff, George Springer will do for their for their lineup. So And they have the AL MVP this year in Jose Abreu. So uh, I think George Springer is going to be a great addition to the White Sox.
2: Yeah, I I struggle because you know how I feel about the Astros and all the crap that they did, and like I would really struggle to root for George Springer. He would make great sense for the Nats, but I I think you're right. He they'll get outbid. I could see maybe the Phillies going after him. Yeah, maybe. But I don't think that. Yeah, if, if he wound up in the, I think the White Sox does make a ton of sense. You know, and like you said, a guy who's older, you're going to want an a either going to want an an AL team's going to want somebody they can DH if they need to. But I think. The Nats are gonna probably kick the tires and then not get him. Maybe the, I don't know. Maybe the Cardinals. But yeah, I, I don't think the Nats are gonna wind up with him. Yeah. Which you know, I I kind of struggle with because I think he would be. I don't really want him on the team because I I can't stand him. But I also think he'd be a great addition to the lineup. So there's no there's no arguing with that. But I don't th- I think it's a moot point because the Nats aren't gonna pony up enough for him probably. So yeah. I'll say Phillies just to be
4: different. Oh, Phillies? Okay.
3: Ooh, okay, okay. The dream is dead. He's not coming to Nats as much as I want him to. And it really, really hurts my feelings that he's not. Um I will say if the Mets don't get Ryomito, they're going to throw the book at Springer and he'll be their guy. As for a team to sign at, I'm kinda torn. Like I kinda wanna go with the Dark Horse. And kind of say, like, the Red Sox because they're losing JBJ and they kind of have a lot of money coming off the book. I like that. Um, I so do, like, too. I'm, I'm going to go with the Red Sox.
4: The they're Red gonna, Sox the- they are used to people hating them, too. There's nothing there. You know. it's,
2: that's true. And actually, though, you know, there's something to that about, you know, him going somewhere where there's going to be some fan bases where they're not going to want George Springer. Like the, the clubs are going to say that's not our kind of player and they're just not going to give him a shot.
3: Those clubs are going to be stupid. Yeah, they are going
2: well, to I actually wonder that about so Justin good. Turner from our previous conversation about like, ah. I wonder if he just ends up staying with the Dodgers. He's
4: also 37. So donors yeah. don't care about COVID. So that's not going to hurt that too. Um, but, you know, George Springer can also sign with the Red Sox and immediately compete. The Red Sox are not going to be as bad as they were assuming Chris Hale is healthy, but they're going to make moves. They have a ton of money coming like a ton of money coming off the books so they should be they're the red socks they're not going to allow themselves to suck for a long period of time we've seen this you know with them particularly they break it down except that they're going to absolutely suck for a year and then build it back up and are dominant
3: the small market teams are gonna be the ones who struggle this offseason um the small market teams are the ones that do rely on gate gate money and i will like That's the only thing I'll ever say nice about any type of owner. The Red Sox are not a small market team. They're an absolute massive market, so they're not going to be hurt from this. So they will have the money to throw
4: a ton at George Springer as well. Absolutely. Um, And plus, he'll be reunited with uh, old friend Alex Cora. So there's that. Um, All right. It's coming. This one is interesting. Number four on the list is Marcelo Zuna because um, MLB trade rumors had – Marcelo Zuna signing with the Nats for four years, $72 million, mm. which, keep in mind, is less than the Donaldson deal last year, which I believe was four years, ninety-two. I think, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. If that's right, uh, that's
2: significantly less.
4: Yeah, so, you know, for all the Josh Johnson to DC fans, this $20 million cheaper, definitely less. Not a third baseman, but less. Um, Who's turn to – oh, Amanda, your turn to go first.
2: So – I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously, if you just want offense, like this is a great option. Um, his defense, you know, I didn't watch a lot of him play this year, but it's my sus. understanding is his defense was pretty suspect.
3: Defense is overrated.
2: Yeah, <laughs> really, defense is overrated. No, it is. Like well, defensive
3: metrics are absolutely stupid. And that's a whole different argument for another time. But
2: fair enough. But I mean, obviously, it makes sense um, because th- what the- we've talked about this before. The Nats need a bat. They they have to get some protection for Juan Soto in the lineup. So this, I do worry about his injury history and obviously he had a great year, but also this comes back to this was 60 games. This was not a full season. This was not where he gets the wear and tear of a whole year and you get to see, is he really back from this injury or is he not? So I don't know. What is he, 29, 30?
4: He's 30, I think.
2: So, I mean, a four-year deal would put him at 34, and, you know, maybe the DH comes to the National League back again. Maybe it doesn't, but I don't know. I mean, it could be the Nationals. I can certainly see it. They have to get a bat. I just – I don't know. I figure, like, they're going to miss out on Springer, and this might be their backup plan, so it definitely makes sense. So Mm -hmm. I would say – I don't know. I guess – I guess I will go Nationals. I'll agree with them on this one because they have to get a bat, and I don't know who else if they miss out on Springer. I think they're going to be desperate to get somebody impactful, mm-hmm. and I think Ozuna will be the next, the next thing they go to. If they lose out on him, it's going to be like, I don't know, Michael Brantley or something.
4: Yeah, but- who is also on this list? Uh, Ryan, what do you think?
3: Yeah, so… It's going to be boring because I'm making the same pick as Amanda. I do think the Nats sign him. Um, I don't really want him. It's nothing personal. Like, I just really want George Springer. (laughs) So, like, anything less is going to seem like a failure. But he's kind of the perfect signing for the Nats. The Nats said last year that they were going, they put Soto in right to kind of explore how he would there in case they signed a left fielder. That meant in case they signed Marcel Azuna. So I feel like Ozuna's their plan A. Um, Springer is a little expensive and Ozuna is going to be in their price range. And he also feels the need of a right-handed power bat. There are issues with this defense, but like I said, defense is absolutely stupid. Um, defensive metrics make no sense whatsoever. Point in fact that somehow Mike Child had negative defensive run save. He's not a bad defender. Um, the DH will be in baseball. Universal DH will be in baseball come 2022, so it's not that bad. Um, so I think he's their plan A, and I do think they sign him. I also think the Nats are one of the teams that takes advantage of the slow market and gets all the guys they want.
2: Yeah,
4: that's a good point. Um, if it were, I guess, a normal offseason, if this were last offseason, I wouldn't project to the to the Nats, but... I think with other, like Ryan said, small market teams might not be so, you know, um, not careless, but open to spending, you know, open to opening up their wallets and paying up for these guys. They might find a deal uh, on, you know, one of these big guys. And we talked about that with Matt Wyrick, like the fact that. You know, maybe JT Romito doesn't get the contract he's looking for. And could we see him accept a, essentially what Yasman and Grandal did and accept what is the equivalent to a qualifying offer as a one-year deal? Uh, I don't think you get that with Ozuna. You probably need a couple years to, to lock him up. So four for 72 is within the realm of possibility. Um, I don't really want him either. You just not the craziest fan of him, I guess. But we definitely need a bat, and I would welcome him to our lineup so that way, you know, as Drupal Cabrera is not heading fourth anymore. <laughs>
2: um, I would want so him for four years, that's for sure.
4: I'll, I'll, I'll project him to the Nets just because I'm struggling to find another fit for him. Like, I could project him back to the Braves, but I think, you know, when I think of the Braves, they got the most out of Donaldson for one year and then let him go. And then it seems like they got the most out of Luzuna for one year and they're probably going to let him go and let someone else overpay for him, which would probably be the Nats this time. Um, so I have the Braves getting someone else. So I'll, I'll project his to the Nats with you guys. All right. Um, all right. Next one is really like the last one of this top tier. In my opinion, some people put him at the top of tier two. I love him. Um, he would be my first pick, but. We'll talk about this in a second. DJ LeMahieu, uh, MLB trade rumors, kind of an interesting pick. Have him to the Blue Jays for four years, $68 million, which is a pretty good contract for him considering what his market was when he left Colorado and signed with New York. And, again, Matt made a good point that the Nats were actually in contention for LeMahieu services when he was a free agent the first time and the Yankees won that bid for two years, $24 million. So, um, you know, sizable raise for DJ LeMahieu coming based on his performance the last two years in New York. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? He's not leaving New York. Um,
3: That's
2: my thought exactly.
3: Very, very hitter friendly ballpark. um, One that he plays very well in. I would be absolutely shocked if he left. The Blue Jays one's interesting because that's kind of like main Machado to the Padres. That's a signal to the team and the fans that, they're ready to compete and that's like their big name splash of guy they sign.
4: So I can see them going big in on him, but I don't think he leaves New York. Yeah, this one will be quick since we're all in the same boat. I don't think he leaves New York either. And that's why I'm not too like I'm not getting let not letting myself get attached. Uh, otherwise I would really want the Nats to get him because he's, yeah. <laughs> he's gold glove at three positions, essentially. He plays a great second base, great first base, great third base, and the Nats need that at all three positions. Um, so I think LeMahieu would be great, but I don't see him leading New York.
2: Yeah, I would love to see the Nats get him. I, I just don't think – I mean, he's had he's been in New York for two years and he's been fantastic. Why would he go anywhere? Yeah. Like, I, I just don't see – the Blue Jays is, like, interesting and maybe they were just trying to, you know – I don't know who made this list, but I I don't know. I don't know why he would go play in Toronto when he's got what he's got in New York, but I would love it if he came to D.C. (laughs)
4: Yeah. All right, so those are obviously the big five. We can kind of just run through these next ten, give a a quick prediction and any notes, and maybe if we think the Nats could be in contention if they miss out on Ozuna or any of these other guys. Um, So the next one is Marcus Stroman. Um, I had Trevor Bauer going to the Padres, but the Angels definitely do need a pitcher. Uh, So I agree with MLB trade rumors that Marcus Stroman signs the Angels. Um, Marcus Stroman again has a kind of a, a big personality, so LA fits his, you know, persona. So I think the Angels get maybe not their guy, but a guy in Marcus Stroman. So that's my prediction.
2: All right, I'm um, gonna go Giants. I think he's gonna go to the Giants. I don't know. He's I I don't know why. How those, I don't-
4: that random team? You know, we we've seen yeah, it a couple times. Yeah, I just feel times. like the
2: Giants need need somebody, and I, you don't really see them on any of these lists. Like you look at all these, they need an identity predicting. for sure. Yeah, I just feel like they're kind of floating in space with no with nothing really going on, and that Stroman would be a good fit there. So yeah. I don't really know why it's just like a, a hunch thing, but I'm I'm gonna just go out on a limb and say Stroman to the Giants.
4: Yep. Uh Ryan.
3: Duh, Yankees. Um they need pitching bad. Their pitching outside of Garrett Cole is disastrous and their pitching is the reason why they fell short of the World Series again. So I think they're aggressive and I think they get Sherman as their number two or three if severino's is ever healthy.
4: Yeah, it's kind of with the Yankees like we just predicted LeMayhew to them, but the Yankees outside of Garrett Cole are not paying anyone that much actively. Like, LeMahieu came off the books. Paxton came off the books. Tanaka just came off the books. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, They're paying Stanton – oh, I guess Stanton. um, Stanton and Cole, but otherwise they have a lot of, you know, young guys or guys like Aaron Hicks on team-friendly deals and whatnot, so – I mean, they're the Yankees. They have money to spend, anyways. But I can definitely see him strobing to the Yankees. He his personality fits New York too. Um, all right, next one, free agent again. We did him last year. D.D. Gregorius. MLB trade rumors has him to the Reds. Three for thirty nine. Um, that's who I predicted last year. And I think the Reds had their offseason spending, and maybe they, you know, they definitely could use the offense based on their postseason performance but i have them going back to the phillies just because me personally i have the phillies missing out on the top six free agents, so um i I think they're going to want to keep some continuity in their lineup and dd and jojo already have a good relationship so i think that gets the deal done so i have dd back to the phillies
2: yeah is it my turn Yep. Yeah, um, I think the same. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, you know, the Phillies. I remember, was it just last year or the year before with the stupid money comment? Was it? <laughs> was, well, yeah. I mean, he only went there on a one-year deal, right? I'm trying to yeah. remember. Yeah. Okay. So he's yeah. So he's just been there one year. I think you know it went well. I again, I feel the same way about like Leihew and the Yankees. Like, why fix what's not broken? I just don't see him going anywhere.
4: Yep.
3: Yeah. Um, Ryan. Um, I think he signs with the Angels. Um, they replace Simmons and get him on a one or two year deal, and they have a good three, four, five with Rendon, Trout, and Didi.
4: Yeah, I like that. Um, next one is interesting, just based on you know what the prediction is from MLB trade rumors, and that's Kevin Gosman. They have him accepting the qualifying offer from the Giants, which we have seen before. I think Jake Odorizzi did it last year. Um, we've seen guys do it from time to time. It is always surprising when they do, but it does happen. And someone like Kevin Gosman finally puts a solid year together. And w- like, realistically, what's the contract he's looking at two years, 20 million. So if he accepts a qualifying offer, he's getting one year, essentially 19 million. Yeah,
2: so Why, why not?
4: <laughs> I don't hate that prediction. And I, I don't want to copy it, but it just makes a lot of sense. Um, and Ryan or, Oh, sorry, Amanda. You just had you had Marcus Stroman go to the Giants. So the Giants do need a pit. Do need pitching. Kevin Gosman has had su- success there. So I am going to piggyback and I'm going to say Kevin Gosman back to the Giants.
2: Yeah, um, I agree with that. I mean, it, it's just like you said. He's not going to get anywhere where he gets more than one year for more than nineteen million dollars. So yeah, I, I don't see why he would go anywhere. It just doesn't make any sense.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm with Amanda. It's literally, as soon as I saw that qualifying offer, I was like, "Oh, he's going to take that." Like right. he's looking at seven to twelve million in the market. Maybe he hates the Giants and wants to play for someone else who might but win. When you but... get eighteen
4: point nine million, you know, know. everything starts to seem a little
3: bit. I can put up better. with
2: a lot of hating my employer. The for The grass is a
4: little million, bit though. greener. The sky is a little bit bluer. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Especially when you're a pitcher, like you can take a one-year deal and if you have a decent year, you're going to have a great
4: market. It's in so. California. You can't be that <laughs> miserable in California. It's the Bay. So, yeah, yeah, you would be fine. All right, Ryan, I'll let you go first on this next one since I went first on the last few. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka, only known the Yankees. Um, they have him going back to the Yankees three years, $39 million. What do you think?
3: I think he goes to the Phillies. The Phillies need to overhaul their – Sorry. Uh they need to overhaul their entire <laughs> pitching staff. Um, rotation, bullpen, all of it. And I think they're gonna look for French guys who aren't gonna cost that much. So I have the Phillies getting Tanaka.
2: That's a good one because, you know, the Phillies, I you know, for at least from our predictions here and what they're doing on the MLB trade rumors is they're not showing the Phillies having a whole lot of success signing free agents. Mm-hmm. And they do need somebody like that. I am gonna I don't know. I'm gonna go Angels. I didn't pick the same guys to go to the Angels as you did earlier like in it. the list, but I think I could see him with the Angels. And you know, again, it's a, there's such a temptation. they I mean, playing in LA. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful weather, a beautiful place to live. Like I think there's always some, especially for a guy later in his career, you know, who's maybe not looking to, I don't know, make a splash. I feel like at this point, Tanaka is probably how old is he now?
4: Uh, he's up there i think he's like 34
2: yeah see I, to me it's like would he like to win a, a world series Like of course he would like everybody wants to win a world series as many times as they can but i feel like he's he's had enough of a career he's probably like let me just go somewhere comfortable that i can finish out my career and and not have so much pressure and going from the yankees to the angels is like taking all the pressure off nobody expects the angels to do anything
4: yeah um Again, I'm copying a movie of trading rumors. I haven't gone back to the Yankees, but I have that in part because I don't have the Yankees getting Bauer or Stroman and they desperately need starting pitching to go behind Garrett Cole. Um, they're banking on Severino being healthy, but let's be honest, the dude is just has never been healthy and they lost some of their other guys like J.A. Happ, Paxton, and now Tanaka. So they replaced Tanaka and, you know, three years, what? $39 to so $13 million a year. That's you know about what the market is for someone who just eats innings. You're not paying him to be an ace, but we saw Annabal Sanchez. What was Sanchez's contract like? Two years, twenty million or something yeah, like that. Yeah,
2: that was perfectly good for us.
4: Yeah, you, you pay ten to twelve million for an innings eater, and that's what Tanaka is at this point in his career, which is fine. So the Yankees need that. I have him going back to the Yankees. Um, all right, Jake Odorizzi. Not a splashy name, but, again, kind of an innings eater. They predicted the same contract as Tanaka, three years, $39 million. They have him go to the Blue Jays. Ryan, what do you think? Um, I think
3: he goes to the Cubs. They just lost hmm. uh, Quintana, and they're going to be in the market for a pitcher. And I think they do that by getting
4: Jake uh, Odorizzi himself. Surprising lack of Cubs on the uh... – predictions yeah from that trade is rumors
2: is that the first time we just talked about the Cubs in this entire segment yeah I think, I think so. <laughs> so that's an interesting one I'm gonna go Red Sox I Red like, Sox for him yeah damn, I, I, I kind of like that too yeah I just you know like you said innings eaters are welcome everywhere and there's a lot of teams that need a guy like that who you know he's not gonna light the world on fire but you can count on him to be you know reliably decent and the Red Sox are gonna need that and you know they're not I don't think gonna do a lot in free agency I don't think they're gonna you know go sign a whole bunch of guys and spend a whole bunch of money you did say you know they do have a lot of money coming off the book so they're gonna have money to spend so I think he's one of those pieces that that doesn't you know it's, it's not the one that gets everybody talking but it's one of those ones that after the season's over you're like wow that was really good pickup somebody mm-hmm. that you know we needed a guy like that so I'm gonna go Red Sox
4: yeah, I'm gonna go wild card here just because Jake Odorizzi kind of is a wild card. He's not like one of these bigger names. He's probably like the least known name on this top 15 list. Um, so I'm gonna go wild card, and it's a team that does surprise you with some moves every now and then. And that's the Diamondbacks. We saw them kind of come out of oh. nowhere for Madison Bumgarner. They still have a, a pretty solid lineup. They sold some pieces. They sold Marte. They sold Grinky two years ago. But, you know, they still have a pretty solid lineup, and I can see them saying, hey, Odorizzi won't cost too much, and if we s- still aren't where we want to be, let's just flip them. It just seems like a Diamondback move, like they're one and done type deal. It's usually for a pitcher, so I'm going to go Odorizzi to the Diamondbacks. I like it. Um, All right. So here's an interesting one. Best reliever on the market, Liam Hendricks. uh, Absolutely phenomenal with the A's. Um, They have him going to the Phillies for three years, 30 million. Uh, Amanda, what do you think?
2: I can actually see the Phillies on this. Um, I think that's probably a really good choice. Um, Mm -hmm. This is another one I could see. Um, I could see the Mets going after him depending and that's it's hard when we get to this point in the list because it all depends on who else did these teams already get yeah <laughs> it's like it's hard to say when you get this far down but I can see the Mets going after him I think there's I mean honestly I would love to see the Nats go after him me too um, uh, we need bullpen help uh, I mean obviously there's a lot of turn we haven't really talked yet about the Nats um, free agent targets but you know there's a lot of turmoil and turnover on the Nats this offseason. So I, I would really, I think he'd be, a, he'd be a great addition. Anybody would be happy to have him, but I think the Nationals are a realistic, um, destination for him. So actually, I think I, I'm going to pick the Nats on this one, maybe just to try to speak it into existence. Yeah.
4: Speak it into existence. Ryan, what do you think? Um, I was kind of, I was going between a couple of different
3: places for him, but I think he goes to the Dodgers. Their bullpen is by far their biggest. Well, let me rephrase that. Their bullpen is their only weakness. Um, and they're going to shore that up because they got into a lot of hairy situations this off se- um, this postseason. You know, they had to go six games instead of four against the Rays um, and a couple other games in the division and championship series, so I think he goes to the Dodgers.
4: I like it. Um, I, I like it mainly because I agreed. Um, I think the Phillies are one of the favorites, if not the favorite, but the Dodgers – can outspend or spend with anyone. They're the much more attractive destination. Um, Liam Hendricks was with Oakland. He only has to go a few hours south to LA. And again, who wouldn't want to play with the Dodgers right now? So I also have Hendricks to the Dodgers. Um, All right. Next one, Michael Brantley, again, with the Astros. Granted, he got there. I don't know if he got there during or after the whole, whole shebang, but. Michael Brantley, pure contact hitter, a little bit lower on those lists than I thought it would be. They have him going to the Braves for two years, 28 million, which stinks because I have Michael Brantley going to the Braves, and I feel like I'm cherry picking, you know, MLB trade rumors. But he just fits that mold that the Braves have done the last two years of someone who's. You know, maybe value diminished or he's not like the primary target, maybe has other guys at his same position that are more valued in the off season and the Braves get him for a team friendly deal, get the most out of him and then cut ties before they start sucking. So I see like a Brantley to the Braves.
2: All right, I can see that too. Um this is one I originally thought this is like the the consolation prize the Nats would go for. It's I a do very
4: they, Nats move
2: too. It's a very Nats move, but it's um you know, he's what, 34 years old, he, he's, you know, the team really needs to get younger, so my hope is that they're going to stay away from this kind of pickup, that, you know, they just, they, they really need to move towards the future at this point, I'm going to, th- I feel like Cardinals for him, like, he feels like the kind of guy that would fit in there with what the Cardinals, the Cardinal way, and all that stuff, like, he really wasn't implicated in all the sign-sealing stuff, and um, he just, I don't know, for some reason, he feels like a fit, fit to me there, so, and the Cardinals, we haven't given them a lot of a lot of uh targets on this list. So yeah. I'm gonna go.
3: Mm-hmm. They
2: gotta sign somebody. So I'm gonna go Cardinals.
3: Yep. Right I'd love him on the Nats to be completely honest with you. Me too. Like he's not like a big name and people are like oh Michael Branley. But the guy just freaking hits. Like he's just a model hitter. Um like I would be disappointed because it's not George Springer and I absolutely love George Springer. Have I mentioned I want George Springer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he screams Braves. The Braves just sign, like, these people, just the quick one- or two-year deals and get mm-hmm. the absolute most out of And them it works! Every single time. And they're like, oh, my God. But I don't think he goes to the Braves. I think he goes to the White Sox. Um, I think they're going to try to find a way to add some veteran to that young lineup because you know... My boy, uh, not even my boy. I actually hate him. Um, Tony Larusa is mm-hmm. gonna want some veteran leadership in that young locker room, and I think Brantley fits that to a T. And Brantley signs a two or three year deal and goes to the south side.
2: That's yep. an interesting pick. Yeah, um, yeah, the Larusa thing is so weird, but yeah, I could see it.
4: All right, next one, Justin Turner. Are we all in the Dodgers? Dodgers. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I think, think he's I don't gonna think be he a leaves.
2: pariah after what happened and I think the Dodgers is the only place it's going
4: to. I agree with Ryan. I don't think two teams are going to care that much. Um, but Dodgers are the only team that makes sense. Um, all right, next one, kind of interesting. Marcus Simeon, uh, one half season removed from top three in MVP voting. They have him going to the Angels one year, $14 million to replace Andrelton Simmons. So there is a need, and he was just in Oakland, so it's not too far from la so uh ryan what do you think about marcus Simeon? i think the a's would be
3: stupid to let him go but i feel like that's kind of their philosophy where they are gonna let him go and billy bean's gone now too i think yeah billy bean is gone he left to join the red sox ownership group for like a completely different sport i think um but i randomly enough i think he signs with the orioles the Orioles always kind of interesting make like one or two moves. Um, the bad teams like that want to get someone they know is going to have trade value, and I think his market tanks, unfortunately. And the Orioles are going to snag him, and he's going to sign to Orioles. I like that a lot. Well, I like? Yeah, you a they lot. do always seem oh, to babe. do.
2: They do always seem to do one or two things that are just like, "Hey, we exist." Like sort of moves. Like, we're still here. Yeah. Um, I'm going Phillies for him. I think it's going to be, I think one year, I agree with, because like you said, he didn't really repeat. Well, like,
4: DD and Semyon?
2: Well, that's the whole thing. It's like I, we're picking all of these players this and where true. it would be a good fit for them, but they're not all going to go to these teams. You know, it depends on who they get and who they don't if get. But you, I do think it'd be a good fit If you pick the Nats
4: there. for every single one of them, you're bound to hit on one or two.
2: That's true. I should have done that. Yeah, can we start over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do think it's going to be a one-year deal. Um, I think, how old is he?
4: 30, 31, something 30. like that.
2: Oh, I thought he was a little older. Yeah, I don't know. He just he didn't really have the year in 2020 that he did in 2019. And, of course, a lot of people didn't. 2020 was a weird year and, you know, it remains to be seen whether, you know, 2020 bad years were just a result of all that weirdness or if there's actual decline going on. And I guess there's no way to know except see what happens next year. But I, yeah. uh, I don't think he's going to get more than a one-year deal.
4: Yeah. Um, I like Ryan's term... Ryan's line of thinking uh, with one of those lesser teams. Um, I'm going to go the Marlins because we've seen the Marlins kind of do some, some, some low key offseason moves. And if Marcus Simeon is going to accept a one-year deal, why not the Marlins? They were just a playoff team. Not only that, they want a playoff series. So uh, I think Marcus Simeon to the Marlins could be some, some interesting. Um, and the last one on the list, I, you know, semi-expanded this list just so we get a chance to talk about him and that is James McCann Uh, MLB Trade Rumors has him going to the Phillies for two years 20 million and keep in mind that's because they had the Phillies missing out on Real Muto which the Phillies will definitely be in the market for JT Real Muto. Uh, Ryan what do you think about one James McCann?
3: So JT Real Muto's market isn't going to be as deep as he wants it to be. Agreed. Um, he's by far and away the best catcher in baseball. Like, it's really not that close. Um, So he is going to get paid, but I think he's only going to have a couple teams who are going to go after him. I think James McCann is going to have a pretty good market. Um, He's not... not Younger, more
4: affordable.
3: Yeah, he's not nearly as expensive as JT Real Muto is. Um, So I think he's going to have a lot of teams in play for him. I desperately want him on the Nats, so I'm gonna say the Nats just so I can put it (laughs) into existence. But if I was being realistic, I would have to go with I don't even know. Like I don't know. I like I refuse to think of any other team, so I'm gonna say the Nats, but I could see like the Reds or like someone else like popping in like that and just taking him.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Nats too, because I mean really they do need a catcher. They've gotta have, you know, like they, they've got gums, but they need a platoon person. And I, I don't think Real Muto is realistic. They're not going to want to spend the money. There's too many other holes they need to fill to put the kind of money out for Real Muto. And I completely agree with you that Real Muto's market's not going to be that deep. But he's going to get more money than McCann. But the, McCann's going to have a lot more suitors. So it's going to be really competitive. But I think the Nats need to make it happen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict him to the Nats.
4: Yeah. Um, I hate to say it but I, I want them to the Nats, but there's one team that we've kind of left off this list, and, and I'm just curious to see what they do as far as spending because they are a championship contender, and that's the Astros. Uh, like, we, we want to write them off because of the whole cheating thing, and I get it, but doesn't mean they're going to just, you know, lay over and die and just stop trying. They are one game away from the World Series this year, so I think James McCann is kind of one of those guys that makes a lot of sense for them. They lost, they're losing Brantley sp- and Springer from the lineup, but they're getting Justin Verlander back next year. And, again, they were one game away from the World Series this year, so if they can add some supplementary pieces to their lineup, they might be able to to make another run. Um But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go James McKinnon to the Nats because that's much more fun.
2: Yeah, we'll all, all right. just do that. Like I said, we're, we're making it happen. We're, yeah. we're putting that out, those vibes out into the world.
4: Yep. Yeah. Okay. A um, couple of other targets. We're not going to spend too much time on them, but we're just going to talk them specifically in terms of their possible fits for the Nats. First one is Jock Peterson. What do you guys think? Yay? Nay? Um, if he's a starter, bad. If he's a platoon guy, good. Agreed. He can't hit lefties, but um, he has some pop. He has some energy, and you know, he's young, which we need we like Amanda said, we're trying to get younger. He fits that bill.
2: Yeah. He's only 20. He's 29 though. So he's like still barely in his 20s, but it's younger than we are now. So.
4: But when you see free agents, you don't really see free agents younger than 28. If you see free agents that are younger than 28, either they're like Bryce or, you know, Machado and they hit the scene really young or they just have sucked and they got released. So yeah. yeah. True, true. Uh, I would like Jack Peterson, but I, I, I like Ryan's line of thinking. Um, this next one, kind of interesting. So the Nets are in the market for a four-starter now that they declined Sanchez's options. Some potential replacements include Jose Quintana, James Paxton, Robbie Ray, Taiwan Walker, Charlie Morton, Corey Kluber, Chris Archer, and Mike Miner who I forgot to list, but Mike Miner is an interesting one. Uh, Taiwan Walker's who MLB trade rumors had going to the Nats, two years, 16 million, which is great value. Taiwan Walker also, I think he's 29 and dealt with some injury history, but for a four starter, you know, that's kind of the market you're dealing with, guys that have diminished value due to injury or, you know, subpar performance, but have upside type deal. So I'm perfectly fine with Taiwan Walker. Quite frankly, really anyone on this list um walker would be nice i feel like he'd be a really good fit he also makes sense
3: do not want quintana do not want ray do not want paxton um archer sucks more (laughs) morton and kluber are interesting morton's good he's a great game pitcher yes exactly but he's old and so is kluber um walker is the youngest person on that thing and they have to get younger especially in rotation which is why walker makes the most perfect sense
4: yep
2: yeah, if I had to pick off this list, I would go with Walker or Kluber, although I would take Walker first, I think. Just age is a big thing, but also, you know, for a fourth or fifth starter, you don't you don't need him to, you know, you don't need him to be perfect. You just need him to eat innings, and I think either of those guys could do that.
4: See, I, you know, I would be perfectly fine with Walker. I really like the idea of Corey Kluber or Charlie Morton, assuming Charlie Morton, you know, is affordable, which I think he should be. Um, I really like the idea of them because if the Nats find themselves in a, you know, poor position come the trade deadline, Charlie Morton and Corey Kluber are going to have still, you know, good, solid trade value, you know, and they're going to be on one or two year deals. So they, again, are going to be on an expiring contract that's attractive to someone or, or whatnot and they have that pedigree that warrants a good trade. So that's why I like them, but Tywan Walker would be fine too. Uh, next one, best left-handed reliever on the market by far and away. Surprise, uh, option decline, Brad Hand. I assume we're all yay. Bring on! Yeah, i
3: I always say haund. 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 Um The fact that he didn't get
4: picked up for $10
3: million shows how cheap relievers are going to go for this offseason. Um, all yeah, for it. Guy's amazing, and he's a lefty.
4: Would kill to
3: have yeah.
2: him doolittle has gone we need lefty relief pitching bring him here bring him to dc please
4: yep all right um i'm gonna talk about this next guy because he is officially nick uh stamp of approval on this guy last year with scooter that didn't happen it worked so well that it didn't work and scooter didn't sign um so this year my guy is tommy listella uh first of all went to the same college as him, Coastal Carolina University. We're 5-0, 6-0 now, uh, 15th ranked in the nation. What's up? Uh, but Tommy Listella, I think he makes a ton of sense. He's a lefty bat, which we definitely need, but he platoons at first, second, and third, which fills a lot of holes, mainly first and third now, but he can play some second base. Uh, if you decide to bring Zim or Howie back, you, what do you need? You need a left-handed first baseman to platoon with him. Listella can do that. If Keyboom is your opening day, Third baseman, you need I know someone to platoon with him. And yeah, you have Castro, but Castro could be slotted in that second base. Um, so Listella can play in third base, so I think he makes a ton of sense. Again, lefty bat, he's going to be cheap. I think the projected contract from MLB trade rumors was two years, fourteen million. So that's nothing that's cheaper than what you got Castro for. He was an All Star in 2019, um, so I, I think there's upside, and it's not going to cost you too much. The contract won't be too long. Again, it's going to be cheaper than Caster, So if he hurts or or sucks, it's not like too much. But what do you guys think, yay or nay? Well, not to uh, not to toot my own
3: horn, but my first um, prediction of roster offseason I made, I had the Nats acquiring him, so I'm big yay on him. Let's go, let's go. Oh.
2: Sorry, I didn't realize it. I forgot I muted myself. I was uh, attacking my children's ha- – pilfering my children's Halloween candy. So uh-huh. i it for a second. Um, yes. I'm a yes. You've convinced me. Um, he does make a ton of sense for the Nats, and, yep. and I'd be thrilled to see him here.
4: Hell yeah. Um, last guy on the list, just because some Nats fans seem to be throwing his name out there, I don't want him at all. That's Carlos Santana. He's been released by, like, four different teams in the past, like, three <laughs> years. And I guess that means he has Nats written all over him as Drupal Cabrera. Uh, for one, um, but I don't want him. I, I think it would have teams written all over it. Carlos Santana, yeah. big pass. Um, if you're going to get an old first baseman, get the
3: absolute goat, Mitch Moreland.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I, like I
1: can Moreland. see that.
2: I, yeah, again, he he is one of those picks that just has mats written all over it. But I I would I would take a pass on him too. I'm not. I've had enough of that. I've seen that show I've had enough episodes. Let's uh, let's move on to something new. Yep.
4: All right, well that that does our free agent recap long episode, but I I love free agency. This is like this is my Christmas, so
2: it's so much fun. As somebody who's been a Washington football fan my whole life, free agency is the only happy to or you know the off season and all the moves. <laughs> the that only could
4: optimistic happen. time, the yeah.
2: Only fun as a Washington football fan, so I'm a big fan of off seasons in general. But yeah, free agency is fun.
4: Yep, and. I'm uh Keep an eye on Monty's article. He has his predictions uh, as well, and that way you can, if you missed any of ours or forgotten them, you can refer back to Monty's article that's forthcoming to see what we think. And let us know what you think, too.
2: Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, guys, is that all we got for tonight?
4: Yep, long episode. I'm good.
2: Yes, it was a long one. So. If you're still with us, thank you. We always appreciate you guys listening. I'm going to run through our Twitter handles one more time, even though you all should know them by now. A white 7877 at DC nat shack at half shack cap at one pursuit takes at MDT 06181815 and at half street high heat. Check us out. You guys uh, have a good week. And I guess we will talk. I don't know if we'll do Sunday or Monday next week, but we'll.
4: My final project is due Sunday. We're definitely doing Monday.
2: <laughs> all right. Sounds good. So you all listening, we'll get a new episode Tuesday next week. Tuesday. Tuesday.
4: Tommy Lestell to the Nets. Later. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing
3: down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the
4: commentator who has the cause this past the wall to see you later. Let's go Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today.
3: Let's